Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. No, I can't wait. We have to <laughs> wait. There we go. Start again, Greg. We have such an exciting week. There's so many things going on. Uh, it's fabulous. Uh, I got Jessica Rivera on the line, and she's back after after a couple of weeks, uh, which is wonderful. Um, in fact, let me let me uh, make her line live here. Good morning, Jessica. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay, good. You ready for your new theme? <laughs> I want to get your live reaction. <laughs> um, I am. And, Okay, good. Well, actually, you kind of inspired this too. The the music, anyway. I was thinking of uh, you know doing 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 like the the classic thing of maybe having something with a more of a Latina flow to it, uh, as I try and, and match uh, you know people in music and things up like that. But then I thought, you know what? This was your idea, so uh, let's go with it and see what happens. Good morning. It's time for the news. Action Radio proudly presents Jessica Rivera. She is a news anchor, political host investigative reporter, writer, producer, and editor. She specializes in national politics and climate science. And now, reporting on her investigations is Jessica Rivera with The Rivera Report. How's that? I like it. Okay, well, I like it. I like it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, I like you know it. you've made it on Action Radio when you get your own theme, so that's, that's kind of like a little benchmark <laughs> around here. Uh, well, thank I you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I think I'm the only one that does this. I mean, everybody's got one. I, I can play others if you want, but I know we have a lot to cover this morning. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a cool thing. Um, and I get pretty silly. Too. Let me just play you one just for the fun of it. Uh, Shelby's, who hasn't been here for a while. She does our cruise and travel, and this one's really short. But uh, again, I, I do get carried away at times. Let me see if I can find Shelby's here real quick, just to show you the silliness around here. Here we go. This is Shelby's. Yeah, man. Home with Shelby to faraway places, wonderful beaches, exotic foods, meet new and fascinating people as Action Radio cruise and travel reporter Shelby Fennett takes you to where dreams become your reality and experiences become your best memories. Yeah, man. Here we go. Tell the silliness we get up there right here. All right, on a serious note, we have a professional uh, broadcaster here. <laughs> I can't help it. No, I really like hers too. Hers makes yeah, me want to be on vacation for sure. Well, yeah, well that's what I did. Now Shelby's not Jamaican. I just happened to do a really bad accent because it amused me. But that's, uh, that's yeah, uh, you know, yeah, spontaneity is how we do things. So what we've been doing? What you've been investigating? Yeah. What uh, what's what things have crossed your desk? Oh goodness, a lot. But I guess we'll start off with them. Um, I think a lot of people are questioning this, um, why mm-hmm. Egypt and Jordan refused to take um, Gaza refugees or Palestinians, and why isn't the UN basically forcing them, right? Um, Absolutely. Oh, I agree with you. I'm, I'm curious what, uh, what you think about this, because, yeah, I'd love to look into this more. This is a great question. Yeah, so... We'll go from the very obvious, which experts are saying it's due to economic insecurity reasons. I think both areas, Egypt and Jordan, have dealt with uh, terrorism in the past. It uh, doesn't mean that they don't deal with it from time to time, but right now it's a very quiet, uh, or they would say a very, um, you know, balanced. Uh, they're able to keep it under control, um, somewhat peaceful 
uh, region. So they don't want to not have Israel. to deal with that. Which, <laughs> exactly. No, they want Israel exactly. to, to fight but, all the battles for yes. them. <laughs> yes, funny. but as far as yeah. Egypt and Jordan are control, I mean, um, their countries. Right. So, of course, things right now are all shaken up there, but um, that would be their first. And, you know, could we blame them, correct? Uh, yeah. Probably the smarter thing. Um, they also don't want to be complicit, or they say, in the displacement of Palestinians, which is the diaspora that has been going on for years. So they kind of just don't want to be part of that. And then we find diaspora. Other... Yeah, diaspora. No, I, I, want to, I want to follow this through a little bit too, because you know I always have questions. Diaspora is one of those mm-hmm. words that uh, I don't think a lot of people know. They they, they don't want to appear ignorant. Mm-hmm. So they say, oh yeah, diaspora. I know what that means. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I've heard it before, but I've, I've, I forgot. What is that exactly? Okay, so diaspora is basically where a culture, a people, um, a religion, whatever, it's a group of people who live mm-hmm. in one area and are, are claim that is their home or they're claiming for that to be their home. Right. And so what happens is if they are overrun or taken over or moved out, they spread, correct? They have to go mm-hmm. to other countries. They can't all go to necessarily one country. Right. usually a big group of people. So when they're spread across the globe, it's considered a diaspora because those okay. people, that culture, religion, is no longer in one area. They don't have their own quote-unquote home anymore. So there's um, a Jewish so diaspora kind of too at some, at, at, through most yeah, of history. Yeah, very right? much. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, all right. very, very yeah. much, yes. Could you, you saved me looking um, it up. Thank and, you. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yes. So, um, and then other Arab countries, which there are plenty around the area, um, Mm -hmm. they just don't recognize, which I thought this was interesting. A lot of Arab countries do not recognize the concept of refugees in their politics. Oh, that's interesting. I have never heard that before. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The concept of refugee is not something that they understand or that they want to understand. go with they don't recognize it so then they don't take people under those circumstances correct so they may take travelers they'll they'll take people with visas they'll take people you know who want to come in and move in properly but they as far as refugees in their political systems they do not recognize that concept which i thought was convenient probably It is. It is. And and very convenient, correct? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking, you know, uh, but this is fascinating to me because um, I've looked into this a little bit. Now, as I understand it, you know, I I sort of do a little bit of tracing back. Um, There there never has been a Palestine. It was a region of the the Ottoman Mm -hmm. Empire, which is originally Mm -hmm. Turkey, which became Turkey. Uh, At the end of World War One, the the Ottomans lost. I don't even know who the Ottomans are. That'd probably that'd be another question. That'd be interesting. And mm-hmm. how long they, they occupied Turkey uh, or how long they, they held that, that land, which became Turkey. It's like the Austro-Hungarian Empire, you know, became Austrian-Hungary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. We should, you know, all these things to trace. I mean, this just shows nothing but more questions for me. So the question sure. is, so when these people were, were kicked out of, of the Ottoman Empire, they went, you know, the, the British and the French really screwed things up by doing what the British and French usually do, which is redrawing maps mm-hmm. in a very bad way. France, you know, mm-hmm. draw, if I remember, Syria and Lebanon, and then the British um, drew, um, uh, what is it, um, uh, I guess, Palestine and Israel, <laughs> they kind of, and, and Jordan was originally part of Israel. Um, I got Pianchi checking in saying there was a Palestine before the Ottomans. Uh, so let's, let's deal with that question first. Do you know about that? Was there well, a, 
but it wasn't a country. Yeah. It was just, it was still, still, yeah. Tell me what, tell me what so, you know. So what I found out is, okay, as far as Palestine being recognized as its state, um, that started in, in 1988, but previously, historically, both Palestinian and Jews, um, obviously Christianity and Judaism, Judaism first, Christianity second, is uh, um, Islam third is the youngest of those three religions. Mm-hmm. Um, they they come. So the land before that was previously what is known as Canaan, right? So Canaan, okay. and this is biblically. So like Canaan was like a large region, and in Canaan, that was um, it was the kingdom Israel and Judah, Israelites. We get the Israelites from right, correct? Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. So. Exactly. So then historically, both Palestinians and Jews, of course, throughout the years, you know, religions evolved, um, people's thoughts, people's cultures, people's religions, and they they spread out their beliefs. Um, But technically, Palestinian and Jews, the only difference, if you really go into it, technically their difference is their culture and their religion. But as far Mm -hmm. as their genetics, they're very, very similar. Yeah, kind of like North Um, and South Koreans. (laughs) <laughs> the same it, people. It, it, yeah, you know what I mean. It, Let me just really, do this line and, between and we them. And yeah. through time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it never um, works. So yeah. it it doesn't. So then, in you know, it went from back and forth, you know, with cultural differences, societies, beliefs, the way mm-hmm. people wanted to live, their religions. Then you go, then you go fast forward to May 1948, which you're talking about, which Brit- mm-hmm. which Britain separated because it was under uh, British rule. Mm-hmm. And what really so they started all the... <laughs> they, they took over yes, the land. Yes, so yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. Um, but what really started the infighting without going into <clears throat> much more specifics mm-hmm. is, of course, they didn't agree. The two groups didn't agree on a lot of things, but they somewhat lived kind of peacefully, I guess you could say. But what really got them fighting back and forth was that Britain was talking to one group saying, we promise you this, we'll promise you this, we'll promise you this, and then was going to the other group behind, you know, the Palestinians' backs or behind um, the the Jewishes' backs and Judaism. And they were kind of saying the same thing and promising them things. They couldn't really follow through, correct? So. What they did is, in the end, both were fighting with each other, but really it was Britain who was the one who had promised both of them very similar, you know, areas, borders, um, conditions. And so then finally when the the, uh, fighting between the two, uh, Palestine, I guess, and then uh, Israel, when the Mm -hmm. fighting really continued and it just – Britain just saw like, okay, this is going to be a complete mess. Um, they kind of walked <laughs> the, away, washed their hands of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this and is your problem. Just, we're not going to be here anymore. Yes, we're just going to take off. Exactly. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, neither of the um, Palestine or uh, Israel didn't really realize what Britain had done until years and years and years later. But the right. fighting had already started. People had already started killing each other, slaughtering each other. So at that point, you you know, it's just kind of something that's continued throughout history and oh, throughout yeah. the you know <laughs> years through that. Well, exactly. This sounds like, 
Yeah, this reminds me of something I read uh, a bit ago. In fact, I think I sent in the article. Uh, Colonel Doug McGregor, who's been on the show a couple of times, uh, from the American mm-hmm. Conservative. Conservative, And he says, sadly, the region has not advanced much beyond the conditions described by Ramsey and McDonald. That, that almost sounds like a Canadian name. Everybody in Canada is like McDonald or McKenzie. That's just, I'm Canadian, you know, mm-hmm. from up there. Anyway, this is Britain's prime minister in 1924 and again from 1929 to 1931. He says exactly what you're just saying. Uh, the the uh, uh, Ramsey McDonald says, we encourage an Arab revolt against Turkey by promising to create an Arab kingdom from the Arab provinces of the Ottoman Empire, including Palestine. So I guess Palestine was a province. That makes sense. Then it says, at the same mm-hmm. time, we were encouraging the Jews to help us by promising them that Palestine will be placed at their disposal for settlement and government. Well, this, no wonder they have problems, right? And this is, and mm-hmm. also at the same time, we were secretly making, uh, we were secretly making with France the Skies Picot Agreement, which I've never heard of, partitioning the territory which we had instructed our Governor General of Egypt to promise to the Arabs. Uh, I think Canada has a governor general. Australia does, too. That's a representative to the king, which would be you know, King Charles now. right? So the governor general, uh, to promise to the Arabs, the story is one of crude duplicity, and we cannot expect to escape the reprobation, that's a great word, which is its proper sequel. In other words, they screwed up and they knew it, but they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. And it really, really, obviously, this is kind of what we have um, right. left over. And the people who started it, basically washed their hands of it and walked away and never, uh, you know, I think historians can go back and they look at it and they say what Britain, you can't look at it in the past and say, you know, because you see things and you're like, okay, well, maybe they had good intentions. Maybe they were trying to work something, you know, to some degree. But from what I understand, a lot of historians and experts, when they're looking at what Britain had actually, you know, promised, it was mm-hmm. stuff they couldn't even deliver, even if they wanted to, because they didn't have that, that kind of um, they didn't have that kind of power, I guess, at the time, to be yeah. able to um, to give you know one group this part of the land and this group. It would have been a, I mean, obviously what it turned into, which was a bunch of infighting, and yeah. Um, so yeah, they washed their hands of it and they walked away. But as far as the Ottoman Empire, I know you're asking about that. Uh-huh. So the Ottoman Empire was a, an empire um, run by the um, by the um, Islam religion, you know, Muslims. Right. It was basically like the whole area was run under that belief. Here's the thing. So people say, well, you know, Palestine was a region, so it was before that. Well, if we go right. back even further than that, mm-hmm. it really technically the Jews were there first, right? Because yeah. Judaism's been around since beginning of time, practically. Yeah, but Judaism, then Christianity, then Islam. I mean, yeah, that's what exactly. you said earlier. It, it yeah. is, it's exactly how it runs. And it's like centuries. It's like from the first um, you know, century to the seventh. So it's not like they were very close together. They were mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of years. But the Ottoman Empire around the time that it ended up disappearing is because it was conquered, right? And a lot of times when you look in history, that's how things were settled. That's how we oh, yeah. got certain, you know what I mean? Borders changed. Went in. It was brutal. Yeah. You can look at it yeah. and say it was brutal or whatever the situation. Things were not as civilized as they are now. But the reality is that's how people either gained land or lost mm-hmm. their land. They were either yeah. conquered or they um, 
conquered a group of people or an area or region. And so that's why the Ottoman Empire ended up disappearing, is because it did end up getting conquered. But of course, those people, many of them stayed in the area, correct? I mean, there was only so yeah, much. Yeah, it's big can... too. It's bigger than Turkey. I mean, it covered a lot of area. I don't know the exact boundaries mm-hmm. of the Ottoman Empire, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, well, so how did you, was it a monarchy? What was it exactly? Do you know? How did it I work? I don't know specifically, but I do know no. that it was, it sounds something like it was kind of like the, um, like a lot of the areas, like the, you know, the Chinese dynasties for, you okay. know, thousands and thousands of years. The House of Saudi. It was Saudi. kind of run. Yes. The, the family that owns kind the country. Of run, yes, it was very much run like that, king and queens. Um, so not by any means a democracy, um, <laughs> as we know today, as we know today in many places around the world. But yes, so it was uh, very much... Um, like like the times back then. So, yeah. well, and then, okay, so so then we come to, you know, I guess continuing with why Egypt and Jordan... Yeah, you know, I was, was going to get back to that. It doesn't relieve them of the responsibility no, just because of all this history. They still, you know, the, isn't Jordan like half Palestinians from, from Ottoman, you know, originally? It is. They're in. Jordan so, and Turkey have the never, most Palestinians. And that's millions of people. <laughs> what, how, yeah. many, how many people does yeah, Jordan yeah, have? Yeah. Like, what, 20, 30 million people or something? It's got a lot of people. Oh, it's, it is a lot of people. But here's the catch. So Palestine isn't part of the UN, and that's because the UN doesn't fully recognize Palestine. Hmm. Because in order for that to happen, all the group, all, every country who belongs to the U, um, United Nations would have to do some sort of a agreement that the majority of them acknowledge Palestine as, a, as, as its own country or state. Mm-hmm. And not every country does. So the UN cannot, by rules, um, fully recognize Palestine. But the United Nations does have an area. It's called the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East. Mm-hmm. So it's the UNRWA. It's the refugee system within the United nations that is specific to Palestine just because it's such a specific and um, kind of an area that needs its own, uh, needs its own attention. Mm-hmm. And that is basically East Jerusalem. Any of the Palestinians that come from East Jerusalem, the Gaza Strip, Syria, Lebanon, and Jordan. Okay, so those five areas are what the UNRWA are in charge of. And they serve Palestinian refugees as much as they can. And um, so that the, um, the relief that's coming in from Egypt at this point, hugely from the UN, is this one group. This is okay. the thing, though. Obviously, we know the United Nations is mostly funded by what country? Us. The U.S. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. we can solve so many problems by just defunding the UN. I mean, they want to defund the police. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, defund the UN. Uh, and and we, we'll talk about NATO too another time. I want to get out of that as well. But mm-hmm. so we can solve a lot of problems mm-hmm. by getting out. But it just you know I look at this as I try to look at things as simply as possible. What's the easiest way out of this? The easiest way out 
uh, because these people are, are Arabs, because they are Palestinians, because Jordan has a bunch of, uh, like half the country, are, are descendants of, of Ottoman Palestinians. I'm, I'm not sure what the percentage of mm-hmm. Egypt is, um, or Syria or Lebanon for that matter. Lebanon, we need to leave Lebanon alone. They've got to recover. Syria, yeah, it's kind of a crazy place. Jordan seems like the most logical. Because the country's enough anyway, absorbing you know the the, the Palestinians that are, are that don't want to assimilate into Israel. So so God, my my solution is the one state solution or the one nation solution. Israel you know reincorporates. Uh, I don't say takes over because it used to be part of Israel. Uh, Gaza, the West mm-hmm. Bank, and the Golan Heights, and the West Bank being Judea and Samaria. You know on Israel's side of the Jordan River. <laughs> I mean why why mm-hmm. Jordan has stuff on the other side of the Jordan River? I don't know. Rivers are a natural boundary. You know uh, look at uh, look at Ukraine. <laughs> you know the Dnieper really divides the, the Russian mm-hmm. half from the German half. Anyway, so, but the point is that this would be so simple if the Palestinians who refused to assimilate to Israel simply, you know, went somewhere else. Egypt or Jordan would be the most logical ones. Uh, and the West Bank became part of Israel and was recognized as Israel in the Golan Heights too, you know, from Syria so they could defend themselves. They didn't have rockets that are raining down from Hezbollah right now. And that's Israel. But when I look at the world, you know, and everybody's like, well, you know, and then we argue about biblical and we argue about who was there first and, and Ishmael versus Isaac, which is, was a fascinating discussion that Wendy talked about. She had the, the whole biblical mm-hmm. perspective um, on Wednesday, last Wednesday. So if you want to check back at that. But to me, you know, the, 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 the world of Islam, Indonesia is the largest Islamic country. There's millions of people in Indonesia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole top of Africa from, from Morocco to Egypt, I think, is Muslim. Um, I th- you've got Turkey. Uh, the Middle East, we've talked about, you know, Syria, Lebanon, uh, I'm not sure about Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, well, this part of North Africa, all these countries, Saudi Arabia, you know, even mm-hmm. uh, Persia, which is now Iran, uh, and Iraq, all these countries are, are Muslim. And you've got this little, tiny, you know, New Jersey-sized country for the Jews in all the world, okay? So the Muslims can go from Indonesia to Turkey to Iraq to Iran to Egypt, to all, they've got all these places in the world to go. Why mm-hmm. are we forcing on this tiny little place mm-hmm. uh, people that are trying to kill them? That makes no sense to me. So my simple solution is Israel. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so but wouldn't that be easy though? You know, Israel takes, uh, reincorporates Gaza, the West Bank, and and the Golan Heights, and then everybody leaves them alone. <laughs> you know, and or and, and the people that won't. If it, now, there's Palestinians living happily in Israel that I think are Israeli citizens, mm-hmm. even though they're Palestinian background. They've assimilated. Sure. They realize that, that freedom and a republic works better than uh, an Arab theocracy, a uh, Muslim theocracy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, let's stay in Israel. This is, life's better here because they're not stupid. <laughs> you know? So why not just uh, – and, and these other countries – now, you mentioned something I was thinking of earlier, that we should be denying foreign aid and just cut off money to Egypt and Jordan unless they take these people. Did you have some kind of sanctions, or what was your initial point? about what to, how to uh, encourage them highly uh, to take the folks that refuse to assimilate to Israel. Do on this yeah. end from, to force them. <clears throat> I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much legally or, I mean, yes, we can say um, we'll withhold certain, you know, money from them. Here's mm-hmm. the thing, though. That area is so rich in oil that they could probably function without what we do as far as, and I'm talking about as far as Egypt and Jordan. Right. Um, They could probably be fine without what we, uh, without what the U.S. contributes to their Mm -hmm. economy, just because they are so rich in natural uh, resources like oil and things of that nature. But here's the thing. So Egypt and Jordan, even if you were 
So right now, they will take people with visas, right? But then you think of the the hundreds and thousands of people who are still trying to get out of Gaza. They don't have visas. They've probably never left the area before, and this is not a time that they're going to be given visas. Um, so they're just they've just completely shut down as far as Egypt and Jordan. I mean, even to get the, even to allow um, the uh, relief to come in through Egypt's border, that would had to be completely, you know, talked over. And, you know, that wasn't an easy sell for Egypt, but Egypt finally gave in and said, okay, you know, I feel like they felt like, okay, well, we're not going to take them. We should at least allow them to, um, receive some relief, right, as, as part of a – because Egypt years ago, I think what they did is, I mean, they used to fight just as much as kind of uh, – maybe not as much as Palestinians in Gaza, but they used to fight um, Israel quite a bit. But they years ago decided they have a peace treaty, and it's yeah, not – Yeah, Camp David Accords. That's, that's why we'd, we'd it, have to keep giving it, money just from, from that treaty. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So they don't okay. want to, they don't necessarily maybe agree um with either country necessarily, but they just stay out of it and kind of just tend to their own business on their around their borders. Hmm. Um so you know, in everything that I was researching, I don't think that there's really anything that can force um either of those uh two countries to to take to yeah. take exactly. And then this yeah. is another biggie, mm-hmm. is that even if a lot of those Palestinians or Gazans wanted to leave their area, the terrorists, right, Hamas, whatever terrorist groups are within their working mm-hmm. uh, within Gaza, they, when they are seeing these people travel in packs to get to a safer place, they're even killing them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it, this is a, 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 you know what I mean. The irony so these people is, are uh, truly stuck. But the the Gazans voted for Hamas. Hamas was elected. No, no, no. And, and I'm not saying that that's not necessarily what they. I, I'm not saying that they're not maybe second guessing what they either right. truly voted for or what they were forced, what's been yeah. forced upon them. Or election fraud. Because we know what that's all about here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these okay. people could right. probably say you know, in public, yes, we support Hamas because they don't want to die, but behind closed doors, they fear them and don't really want to be under their their rule. But there's right. no there's no other option at this point. Hamas has gotten so big. Hamas has gotten so much funding. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, then it brings us to the other point of, you know, we were talking about um, – the former U.S. Special Envoy to Iran, who's been placed on leave, Robert Malley, and then the National oh. Security Council senior yeah, the, director. Yeah, the, <clears throat> and the, the, you got two of them. You got Malley, and you got the Palestinian guy, Metir, whatever exactly. his name is. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on with that? So that kind of intertwines with a little bit of this, in the sense okay. that so Malley is kind of very. These are obviously both very much. Um, sympathizers to terrorist organizations, whatever they are, whether that's Hamas, Hezbollah, 
um, ISIS, you know, whatever other terrorist organizations have developed since ISIS was somewhat, um, I guess, under Trump was pretty much kind of broken up quite yeah. a bit. But, you know, within the the amount of time that he's but been they were out in, of in, in Israel, they were where where was ISIS located? Was it Syria? Was it Libya? Where where was ISIS? Where were they attacked? I almost want to say it was Libya mostly. Um, okay. I but don't don't quote me on that. Um, I don't believe it was is I I don't think it was Israel as much as it was some of the other Arab no, I don't think, um, I don't countries. Think ISIS was there, but what's interesting is yes. if you go back to Benghazi, Benghazi was a gun-running mm-hmm. operation of Hillary Clinton to get yes. guns to ISIS to attack Assad to overthrow his government. Yeah. So yes. now we're now we're connecting dots here. So Hamas is like the new ISIS. So it wouldn't surprise me um, to find our 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 deep state supporting, you know, Hamas for the and same reason. What, that, go ahead. What'd you find? And that's what's difficult is because we can easily say as Americans or any human being and say, you know, terrorists are wrong, they shouldn't exist, and we should do whatever we can to protect whatever people from them, right? right. I mean, that would be right. the sensical thing. Okay, there's a, a, the average person who wants peace and camaraderie would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But with these, these are just two people in the Biden-Harris administration, but since the Obama-Biden administration, they have pretty much been given the green light to infiltrate into our government. There are so many and so many intelligence committees that are running national security um, operations that I don't think a lot of people really understand how much working they are doing with mm-hmm. these terrorists, Hamas, Hezbollah, because they're sympathizers in the sense that they say, well, you know, they're misunderstood. It's misinformation. It's because they, you know, it's just a bunch of excuses for these groups mm-hmm. right. because they're sympathizers. And I think what needs to happen, because I was actually talking about this last night, mm-hmm. and I mean, how is it going to happen? I don't know. But what needs to happen is we really need to do a clean sweep <laughs> first and foremost, of terrorist sympathizers in yeah. our government and say, you know, this is not allowed, this is not okay, oh, that's, that's and they need to be removed. Jessica, that's McCarthyism. You can't do that. You can't, you, you can't have loyalty tests. You can't, you can't investigate people. This is a free country, right? <laughs> Obviously, I'm being rhetorical here. But, exactly. But, isn't, but why not? You know, I mean, you know, clear and present danger. I mean, that's danger, where we have to really mind. start. Yeah. yeah. We have so many fights. Really, if you think about, it's not one simple thing that is uh-huh. going to clean up or help um, our U.S. government in how many agencies and all of these little areas that trickle down and get funding and things of that nature. But I, excuse me, there are so many little fights uh-huh. that we would have to go up against. You know, um, forget about the. I guess technically, the deep state that has nothing to do with terrorism. Um, or terrorist well, groups or Arab nations. The state is a terrorist That's group. A whole, they're, they're exactly, the but government. you know what I mean? Like it's a yeah, whole, yeah. there's so many different facets of uh, our government that need to just get a, a clean, like it, it just needs to be, have a restart because it doesn't, it, because as little as those things may seem to people, right. this is what ends up happening as far as the what's going on right now. 
in the Middle like East care. with Israel it's and like Gaza. You know, care the the council yes. on Islam, yes. American Islamic care. Mm-hmm. Does this sound like a nice name? Care, they care. They're mm-hmm. wonder- it's like it's like a George Carlin moment, right? They care. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. <laughs> the, the, I mean, most of the Muslims are are recruiting and uh, funding things, and you know, I mean, their cells for for terrorism. And, you know, I mean, not most. Well, I don't know how about the percentages, but I mean, that's that's what happens. You know, I, I don't say all just because, mm-hmm. but you know. You know, this is a, and how do these people get in government? Did they, they buy their way in? Did the foreign lobbyists bring them in? Uh, is it friends of friends? Uh, how, how do these people get in our government as opposed to, well, you know, college graduates who have demonstrated a, a certain amount of patriotism and loyalty to the United well, States? Why bring these people in? Because many of them have been brought in as, quote, unquote, refugees, right? Or they've come Mally? in on... Um, well, I'm not saying specifically Mali, but what I'm yeah. saying is a lot of them have been brought in from their country mm-hmm. in whatever facet, whatever was going on at the time or whatever sympathizing ended up bringing them over here. And they've been educated through our, they've been given the education through our whole system. They've gone to these elite schools. They've learned the ins and outs of government. So if you look at them on a paper resume, right, they mm-hmm. have all the, they have, you know, all the experience and the, the education uh, that they need to put them in. The yeah. thing is, is that they're, I guess, like you would say, you know, it's deep, it's very much developing the deep state. Um, and that's really, because, yes. you know, I kind of wondered, because I'm thinking, okay, obviously they're not just going to grab some, you know, a terrorist is going to, some random terrorist is just going to apply for a position in the government and just be able to do it. Yeah, put that in your resume, be able terrorist. To get in. You know, extortion, <laughs> mayhem, exactly. you know, exactly. explosives, training, you know, paramilitary. Exactly. You know, you're not going to see that. It's mm-hmm. never that obvious. Yeah. Well, here's, here's yeah. a really nasty question. Uh, I was thinking about this mm-hmm. too, and we need to we need to start asking this just to just to shock people. Where do you think the first terrorist attack is going to be in the United States? Not if, but where. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with the thought that the holidays are coming up and they know that the holidays are big for Christians and the U.S. in general. Right. Um, I am going to go with probably a mall, a transportation area, um, Mm -hmm. something, but it's going to be during a time where, I mean, should we really be caught off guard anymore? Mm, No, but probably I'm going to go with the holidays. Could be um, aviation. Um, I'm not really sure in that regard because I've kind of thought well, that Sky over in my a, head a lot. Uh, the Sky Marshals are now, you know, bringing Hershey bars to the illegals at the border. I mean, a lot of Sky Marshals have gone from the airplanes. I uh, saw that report. And if folks think we're like giving terrorist ideas, trust me, they've already thought of this. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get Americans to start thinking in terms of where, where's the next terrorist attack going to be? It's going to be a place that's crowded. And how do you protect uh, yourself? Well, that's that's the question. You know, go, first the first thing you do is everybody needs to go armed. Uh, those that can, those that uh, choose to, those that can handle it. You yeah. know, the, if you if you're terrified of, of guns, don't carry. Okay, you just, you're not going to be any use of anybody, including yourself. But if you're at yeah. all uh, competent, the more people that are armed, the better. You know, the the faster yeah. something can be stopped, the better. You know, and mm-hmm. so. Um, I'll give you a, a little secret here. It's something I learned uh, in federal law enforcement training that um, if someone's wearing one of those body suicide bomb things, uh, mm-hmm. generally it takes a detonator to set it off. If you shoot somebody, uh, hopefully go through that. But you can actually stop an attack um, by, you know, the, the, the bomb, just because they have a bomb doesn't mean if you shoot it, it's going to blow up. 
doesn't work that way. Uh, it still has to have a detonator and things like that. So you can actually stop a suicide bombing by killing the person who's wearing the bomb. Um, and so things like that are, it should be general knowledge. I don't think that, I don't think I'm revealing any classified secrets mm, here that yeah. may save people's lives. Um, but that's something to think about too. But those are the things that people should know about. How do you stop a suicide bomb? What do you do when it, when it, you know, how do you stop a car, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's heading for, uh, wherever or a mall? How do you stop a, you know, I mean, what do you look for? I mean, we used to have the, you know, the see something, say something rule. We need, we should be on a, mm-hmm. on a full terrorist watch at all. You know, now that I think about it, because I think you're absolutely right. Holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving is the all-American holiday. Um, Christmas, uh, everybody celebrates Christmas, Christian or not. First of all, it's fun. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. Christian, but it's so, just U.S.-American. So yeah. I need to get, I need to see if I can get any terrorist specialist, or maybe if you know somebody, uh, that would just, you know, what do you look for? What, uh, you know, the, the, the package. Mm-hmm. We used to do this back, uh, remember when the, the, the package bombs? Uh, and anthrax was a mm-hmm. big scare. We we looked for mm-hmm. you know somebody leaving a package or somebody leaving a backpack. Uh, the bombing of the the, the Boston Marathon was a, I think it was a backpack, wasn't it? Or something. Uh, yes, it was two backpacks with uh, yeah, yeah, pretty c- bombs with uh, pressure cooker instruments, I guess. Pretty common stuff, you know. Uh, you know, Home Depot. Yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> anything. They're Home not Depot, having but, to go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not having to really extend themselves too much to. Hmm. Um, get the, you know, whatever a terrorist wants to do. Um, it could be homemade. It could be completely, you know, very um, refined. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it happens. It, it takes a whole gamut here in uh, America. We, we kind of have seen everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, and like you said, you know, a lot of people, I think, Years ago, before 9-11, maybe having conversations like this, it would be, you know, you are giving ideas. They don't, you know, why, why would you talk about this? But at this point, it's, mm-hmm. it's really ignorant and irresponsible not to, to try to explain to people that you just need to be on alert. And just at, at least, at the very least, if you still want to go and live your life the way you do, at mm-hmm. least have an exit you know, look at something, see how you're going to get out of something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess that should kind of always be, I mean, that's really how we, my husband and I kind of really are anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hyper-vigilant, hyper-focused on a lot of like, well, you, this, this you, you, you spoil him because, you know, you're in the news, you, you know all the bad stuff. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's yeah. kind of foreground. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the little things you can do, um, go shop, you know, yeah. early in the morning when nobody's there. Um, go to the movies. Go to a matinee. Don't go to a Friday or a Saturday night. I mean, just little things like that make a difference. Don't yeah. be there. Yeah, the try to stay away from is... larger crowds. Yeah. You know, watch watch you know. Uh, big events uh, on TV. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. get a social media feed. You know, just little things. You mm-hmm. move to a, to a smaller area. I live in a, in a small town. You know, so as a, but big cities are targets. Crowded places are targets. Yeah. Yeah. Train stations, yeah. airports during holidays. Thanksgiving is one of the most crowded times. I mean, the, 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 the time to travel for Thanksgiving is like a week and a half ahead of time. Yep. Don't, don't do yep. it on the Wednesday or the, don't do it the weekend before Thanksgiving. Make sure you're already there. You know, so little yeah. things like that, I think. Well, what do you think as a strategy? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like my plan was for this year to definitely travel either for Thanksgiving or Christmas. But mm-hmm. since this whole you know, October 7th happened. Um, I, I just, I can't get myself to really think that that's going to be a smart thing to do. Um, even just sitting in a crowded airport, 
mm-hmm. you know, than Take forget being on a plane. Um, Discover train travel. Doing, trains you, are great. <laughs> I love trains. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But even that. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, you can, yeah. but even those are crashing yeah. on their own, it seems, um, yeah. with no help from anything. But, yeah, they um, derail. Yeah. yeah, they derail very easily these days. Um, but, you know, yeah, I just, and it's sad because a lot of people, well, you, you can't stop living. You can't uh, let them win. You can't. No, you can't. And, you know, this time will pass at some point. How long mm-hmm. that is, I don't know, because I don't think that yeah. this is something that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, but you also have to think what's important, you know. You, you, I guess you just have to kind of figure what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what are you willing to put your family in? what situations, what surroundings. Um, I'm just, I really, and I've done this even for quite a while now. My son's, you know, six years old, just turned six years old. I really don't take him places with me if it's just going to be me and him. I really don't. Hmm. Um, Now, if it's going to be me and my husband, and I know it's kind of interesting because people, even when something's not going on, people think it's, you know, oh, my God, it's so crazy, blah, blah, blah. But between, like, kidnappings, um, you know, just, crazy people, you know, there's only so much I can do, you know what I mean, as, as, as a mother, as a female, as a smaller person, versus, right. and I have to be realistic to it, you know, um, so that's just one thing, there's just quite a few things that we just kind of already do, and I, and I take it for granted, and I kind of think that that's just how people live, but the reality is a lot of people like to live with their heads in the clouds and don't want to really live in reality um, but I think this is a time, if ever there was, that with the holidays coming up, um, that, yeah, we just, it's just, you just need to figure out what's going to work for you and your family and their safety and kind of get a plan together and yeah. decide, you know, what what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, where you're going to go, where you're not going to go for a while. Um, and what's sad about the whole thing is, as much as you can tell people, hey, you know, this is what you should do, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, and it, it totally makes sense. There's still going to be those people who are going to end up losing their lives because they've just chosen not to pay attention or, you know, they just they don't think ahead. really. You know, they, they, they don't read the cards yeah, they're playing. They don't know how to mm-hmm. use the life vest. You know, they, they don't know how to. Mm-hmm. Uh, know what to do when the car tire blows out they don't they don't practice i used to i used to practice in new england on i drive as soon as the first snow and ice when the parking lots got icy I, i'd spin the hell out of my car so i could and i was good at it you know but i was i was yeah. right and I, <laughs> on the times when i actually skidded and slipped a little bit because ice happens right in boston uh, i was fine because sure. I, I knew how to turn into it and deal with it and you know but that's just basic preparation to me i mean i can read a compass and a map and you know you don't see compasses on cars anymore i'm just saying um we've got about 15 18 minutes left. I, I'll make sure we cover the stories that you wanted to cover. Do we have some place else yeah. want to go completely different? Um, I think, uh, well, um, I guess we can go to probably the, I guess the last uh, one of Israel's stand-down orders. Yeah. Tell me about from, that. Yeah. I, I, that's an article I've got, but I haven't, I've, I've been so busy. I've been crazy things. Uh, what's, mm-hmm. what's, what's going on with that? So this idea, Israel's stand-down orders during the attack on October 7th uh, by Hamas, this comes from the opinion or the thought that Netanyahu, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, actually knew about attacks prior 
right. and had the IDF stand down, all because Israel's elections would have been held on October 31st, and Netanyahu doesn't have enough support or the popularity that he had previously to basically mm. stay in power. Um, and now those elections have been postponed to January 30th of 2024. Of well, that's convenient. <laughs> Of course, none of this has been, quote-unquote, proven, and it's very much rumors or people who think it's a possibility, which, I mean, anything's a possibility, I guess. Netanyahu has been asked about it, and he definitely does deny it. Um, of course and he does. There's also, yeah, <laughs> the, and there's but, but also is, the... <laughs> there's a long history of this. This is a long history. I mean, like we've talked about this on the show. You know, you go back to the, the Maine, you know, for the Spanish-American War or the Greer for the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution or the Lusitania in World War One, or I would say Pearl Harbor. I know, I'm absolutely convinced that FDR, I don't know, but I'm absolutely convinced FDR knew because we already broke in the Japanese code uh, that uh, the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. And, and we needed you know, FDR needed that uh, to be able to help Churchill in England because, you know, the, the folks that were what they're calling isolationists, what I call sensible, uh, did not want to get involved mm -hmm. in another European war. Well, we shouldn't have gotten involved in the First World War. We, would, we probably wouldn't have had a Second World War. But um, yeah. the Europeans have thousands of years of killing each other. And so go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Marco. Marco. Yeah. Missing in the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but I mean, the, the, the thought has been that, brought up to Netanyahu. Yeah. 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 What do you think? You know, like There's I no said, right or wrong answer possible. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything, but, but. anything is possible. Um, right. There is nothing, obviously, that I have that in my research was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense, da, 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 you know, of that nature. But um, like I said, anything's possible. I would like to think that when it comes to an ally such as Israel and Netanyahu, that that would be a little too extreme. But um, now what I can believe is there is also, you know, for that um, belief is that reportedly Egypt had warned um, the Israeli government about, I think, like three days ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Now, I can believe that and think that Israel realized that they have some of the best security measures in place that they would be able to, even if it was going to happen, that their um, their security measures in place would definitely alarm them. And it would be as any other attack, which it's very small, minimal, um, and pretty much fizzles out within 24, 48 hours. I think that that's probably, I, I can believe that a little more than necessarily Netanyahu knew the whole thing was going to happen. Um that yeah. brings up 9-11, too. You know, did they know? Mm -hmm. See, the, the two th schools of thought, if you talk to Josie, she absolutely believes that, uh, you know, that our government is so corrupt it would have caused 9-11, they would have arranged it. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is you that know? they will take advantage. You know, uh, Rahm mm -hmm. Emanuel never let a crisis go to waste. So if they knew that mm -hmm. the, uh, that, and it actually was Iran, Claire Lopez, CIA a field officer who was on the show for year, for a couple of years, I think, mm -hmm. um, was, would talk about Iran. It was behind 9-11. And so, you know, I'm sure that our government knew about it because they wanted the Patriot Act. So in other words, this is a very common theme. Hitler used the Reichstag fire, you know, and blamed it on the Jews. Jews burnt down German parliament. No, they didn't. He did. <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. this is a long-standing tradition uh, in politics to to create a victim status, you know, so that you don't look like the aggressor. 
and it's it's all pretense. It's it's all crazy. Um, there was an, something else I was going to mention uh, about this. I forgot right now. I get so many thoughts in my head as we do this. But there's yeah um, yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, I'll think of it in a second. But this is this is um, let me go back to my notes here for a second. This is this is what's happening now. Um, is just it, it's not beyond beyond the realm of possibility that they knew about it, but they didn't create it. Um, so that's that's what it seems yeah. to me. Yep. They're just making use of um, it. And yeah. I think, you know, it came, uh-huh. it, oh, the, I Israel stand-down yeah. orders, um, I think it kind of comes from a little more from the thought that, you know, obviously Netanyahu's popularity isn't as it was years ago, mm-hmm. but that I think not too long ago he did make a statement that said, you may not like me, you may not have voted for me, and you may not trust me, mm-hmm. but I'm the only one that will protect you, and I'm the only one that can protect Israel. So I yeah, think it's kind of that like. thought that he's, yeah, yeah. that he yeah. kind of is creating a situation where people have to then depend on him and he becomes the hero for Israel. Um, oh, I believe that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, let me ask you one more question. Given that mm-hmm. everybody knows what Israel is going to do when they're attacked, everybody knows. You know, I mean, yeah. this, 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 is, this is, you know, brainless. So why would Hamas, knowing that Israel is going to retaliate massively, uh, why would they mm-hmm. do this? In the most brutal, obvious, and in-your-face way, I mean, they're videotaping murders of, of, of yeah. babies and kids. Why would they do that, yeah. knowing that Israel is going to respond in, in a huge fashion? They've already got, what, half a million uh, soldiers mm-hmm. they've called up from reserves from mm-hmm. around the world? They mm-hmm. knew this was going to happen. So what's the end game? Mm-hmm. Why, why? What's, what's, what's the I next really chess, think in their crooked move? thought. And, and maybe it's not really that crooked. Maybe they do have some sort of a plan that's going to work for them for a while. Um, they have the backing. They have the backing of uh, Hezbollah. They have the backing mm-hmm. of um, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrily, I mean, these are rich countries. Uh, these are countries that, um, you know, it, it, as of right now, they've even said when it comes to um, Iran, uh, they have that backing. No, we're funding um, Iran. The off- we're fun- <laughs> we're yeah. funding. Uh, we're well, yeah. fun- that, well, not we, but uh, the, but the Obama Biden insurrection exactly. is funding. You know? I'm going to ask you about Obama in so a I second. I think they know that but, if it, they made it big enough and right. worldwide, that it would be if they stepped it up, kind of, and they were calling for Muslims around the world and this whole, you know, um, that they would get the backing that they needed, whether it was a smart move or not. Right, and it was obviously a right. holiday for um, Israel. Oh yeah, the Jewish people. Um, the, the most so, was Yom Kippur. It's like the holiest of, of holy days in Israel. Great timing, guys. Again, in your face, yeah. obvious, brutal, you know, biblical, <laughs> medieval. Um, this is this is this is old school, and it just it doesn't make any sense unless there's an end game. That's that's the part I'm curious about. I think they I think they really think that they're gonna win this. And this is, they're tired of waiting. They're tired of, you know, living in poverty and living the way they do. Um, And what more could they lose? Um, And, you know, I think a huge thing, I I think a huge part of this is that uh, tons and tons of money that America had just given weeks before Mm -hmm. the run. So you're going to tell, like, it's just not, it's too coincidental for me to think that they didn't. 
even though they said they had this plan for two years, and they could have. They could, I'm pretty sure they have a lot planned. Well, now, do they just pull out the drawer, they, right? The contingency plans. Israel exactly. has a plan too. Do you, you don't think they have a plan for invading Gaza? <laughs> of course they do. Exactly. They, they pull, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna. My 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 book exactly. well, the rabbi, we're gonna we're gonna take this plan. We're gonna yeah. take that plan. Okay, you got it. We got the deli. We'll talk about it. Then we'll, we'll use plan uh, six. Let's try that one. You know, I mean, we know how this works. <laughs> this is so predictable. Yeah. Let me ask you um, a couple things. Uh, the Abraham Accords. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if Trump plays into this because I am absolutely convinced Trump's going to win the election, um, yeah. unless it's stolen or God forbid something happens to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we know about we know about Kennedy and past presidents. So I'm just just praying yeah. that, you know, this goes well. But um, the Abraham Accords, Israel uh, had had treaties or agreements with what Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Morocco, uh, mm-hmm. Qatar, the, the United Arab Emirates. I mean, things were going really well. Is mm-hmm. there a contingent that doesn't want it to go well? And this is a way to sabotage maybe any future efforts or start a war now, such that no matter what Trump does, it doesn't matter. We're not going to get the Abraham Accords and that wonderful spirit of cooperation back. Now, they, they, they weren't friends. I mean, they were just, you know, you know you, as, as what, I think it was Menachem Begum said, you don't make peace with, with your friends. You make peace with your enemies. Friends you don't have to worry about. They're your friends. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Okay. So is there a Trump part of this, knowing that the campaign yeah. is ramping up? And, okay, tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think also um, it's to the benefit of the Biden administration if the U.S., the idea that if the U.S. comes in and plays the hero, uh, you, people are going to look at Biden maybe a little different. Um, maybe his <laughs> popularity can – I mean, I mean I, it, it's a definitely no, a stretch. It, it, yeah. But I think at, at this point there is so much – that they have tried to throw at Trump and so much that they have tried to do that just hasn't worked out the way they have maybe possibly planned it, mm-hmm. that I think they're just throwing everything they can. They're, any idea, any, any possibility of what this could look like, what this could do. I mean, it's just full force in considering also we're in election year. So yeah. it's coming down. It's coming down. I, so things don't look good. So. Yeah, I think the, the, the left, I'm going to ask you about Obama in a second, but I think the left is so convinced their own propaganda that they can't understand or accept the fact that people don't like them. <laughs> but I got news for you. People don't like them. <laughs> Nobody wants this agenda. Nobody, and the idea that, that uh, you know, you don't even have to prove, even though there's massive evidence of election fraud, you really just simple logic tells you that the American people yeah. never, wanted, never wanted Brandon's plan. Ever. We never wanted high mm-hmm. gas prices. We never wanted inflation. We never wanted jobs to disappear. We never wanted the economy to suck. We never wanted an open boundary border. Excuse me. We never wanted wars everywhere. I mean, people loved it when Trump stopped doing wars everywhere. He was going to get us out of Afghanistan. He should have done it day one, or, or at least as quickly as possible. So Trump just waited mm-hmm. too long. But nobody wants this agenda of, of the left, except the left. But they think everybody loves them for it. I think they're deluded. And they're surprised well, that people are supporting Trump now. It's like, we do everything we can to prove Trump's a, you know, a, a, a terrorist, reactionary, right-wing, fascist, Islamophobe, homophobe, da 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 it doesn't matter. Put it full mm-hmm. after everything. And it's not working. No, it's not. If anything, confused? it actually ends up, I think, <laughs> well, yeah, that's even better. Yeah, you're right. popularity and his money, his so, campaign funding. And, you know, maybe they're as delusional as the terrorists are. Okay. I don't know. I think right. it's definitely delusional, though. I mean, at some point, you, you fully commit. you got to just keep going with it, I guess, right? How are you yeah. going to turn around and 
but they don't talk to us. Agree. <laughs> they don't talk to us real people. They just yeah. talk to themselves in Washington. That's about the nation of government. Well, let me ask you about the one person yeah. who's missing from all this, who's always missing from all mm-hmm. this, who we are all convinced, well, at least I am. I'm curious about you. Um, Obama. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talked, Bonnie was reporting this earlier. I think you've done it too. His, we know his connection is to the Muslim Brotherhood, which means he's connected to Hamas, which means he's, I'm mm-hmm. sure he's connected to putting Mali and Murkat, whatever his name is, the Palestinian in. I know he, he's Bittar. brought in his, what's his name? Patar? Uh, Mayor Batar, Mayor Batar. Oh, Mayor Batar, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate, the trans- <laughs> appreciate the translation. Help me whenever you yeah. can. Yeah, but we know Obama brought in 100,000 Afghanis for no reason. Uh-huh. He brought in Somalis yeah. for no reason. He's brought in all these people into this country for no reason. I'm sure you know, you know, he's opened the border. I, I divide the world in, into uh, two spheres. The national sphere, the national oppression, you know, the, the FBI, KGB, that's Hillary. She's the minister of internal yeah. security. She's the one running all that stuff, okay? Obama does all the foreign stuff. The open border, you know, the wars constantly, uh, and, and they probably mm-hmm. both do money laundering through Ukraine. So we always talk about Hillary too, but let's let's we got about three minutes left. Jonathan's on the line too. I'm sure he might have a question. Obama, the missing man pulling the puppet strings. What's what's his role in mm-hmm. all this? Oh, I think you're definitely right. I think he definitely is very um, much active in government, whether we see it, believe it. Um, I think he definitely has a lot of say in what's going on right now in this administration. Mm-hmm. And um, but here's the thing when it comes to, so he started the open borders uh, thing and, you know, Trump obviously came right behind him and got it kind of in order to some degree. And then with fighting, it's now wide open. We're at a point where people are saying, you know, well, we need to close those borders. And we do, we do. We mm-hmm. need to have some, border security closure at that point. But as far as what is coming through and what has come, it's here. Whatever, it was open for too long. It, the cells, the terrorists, mm-hmm. sure they are. the bad guys, yeah. they're here. They're in they're rehearsing. all <laughs> over this country. They've been given you know, so much time to settle in yeah. and figure yeah. things out. So as far as, oh, we need, to, we need to close them because bad people are coming through, yes, they continue to come through. But those who have bad intentions for America and the they're terrorists, and, you know, they're, they've been here. And they're, they're situated, they're organized. Um, and I think that that's what people need to understand. So, yes, we do need border security, but um, – it's internal security. We yeah. have, we have cells. That's, yeah. we have cells. That's a great point. I was thinking too that we're focusing too much on the border, and these people have already gone through. But do you look around yeah. if you find you know Ahmed's paragliding club, or or the Muslim shooting society? You know, <laughs> there might be. You might want to look into those a little bit. <laughs> it might be that obvious. It, it may you, be that obvious. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was a flight instructor before 9/11, so it never happened mm-hmm. to me. But if someone came to me and said, "I just want to take off and, and fly," I don't, you know, I don't care about learning how to land. I, I'm going to the FAA. <laughs> she was like, "Wait a minute, I got a crazy person here," <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and there's maybe a few crazy people, you know. I mean, and flight instructors did that. They said, "Look, we, you know, of course the FAA didn't care. I mean, they went to the FBI. They didn't care either." Um, do you have to go right at the top of the hour because I've got uh, both Pianchi and, and Jonathan that probably want to join in? But I think you have to dash. Um, right? I. Do I do okay. just because I got to yep. get him ready? Um, we'll, we'll get follow ups yeah. so that you can catch the podcast. Yeah. Okay, no, yeah, that makes sense. Anything else coming attractions um, next week? Things you're looking into? Any any? Uh... Oh, I don't know. Twenty four hours, <laughs> yeah, things change so like crazy right now. So we'll see. That is true. But it'll definitely be something. 
there'll be plenty, that's for sure. Yeah. So I'll definitely okay. keep you posted on what comes up. And obviously, if you have any ideas, that's always Well, great. you know me. I, well, for folks who don't know, I, I, I contact Jessica constantly. I give her too many ideas. <laughs> so like I said, you're always free. They're just suggestions. You know, like I said, I love independent reporters. Do what you think is the most interesting to you because that's what you're going to work on. That's what you're going to cover. That's what you're going to look into. This is supposed to be fun. Even though we're, we're talking about, you know, traumas and terror and things like that. Horrible stuff, it, yeah, for sure. It's really horrible stuff, but you've got to enjoy the work. And, and that's why I like to uh, keep it as open as possible. Do, websites, uh, anything coming? Um, Facebook pages, anything that you're working I on? I am stuff going, we know? Yes. So, um, right side broadcasting, I will be, actually, this will be interesting, and I'll probably be able to report on this next week for you. Um, cool. With right side broadcasting, I am going to be in Vegas on Saturday for Trump at the Republican Israeli uh, conference there, which oh, interesting. will be very interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. So, I'll definitely bring back some information on that and kind of give you some updates on where that all ends up going. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so I'll be there. Saturday, as of right now, with Right Side Broadcasting. Send us links. And, Send me uh, links I can post or, or just, you know, put them on our pages. And then I'll, I'll get okay, I will. Yeah, definitely yeah. want to find out about that. Okay. And also, of course, you know, my dream is that you'll be reporting on our legislation to Right Side Broadcasting. Just a hint. You don't have to, you know, someday. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. There's just so much to cover, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Right. And Take have care. a great rest of your show. Okay. And have a great rest of the week. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you. Here we go. See all the fun we have here? This is fab. I love this hour. The, Mondays are crazy because I've got uh, um, I've got Jonathan, I've got Jessica, then Jonathan, and then uh, we totally change the subject. You know, we go from politics to sex with with Dorothy. Life's uh, amazing. I want to play one thing real quickly here. Uh, it's uh, eight oh one. I'll get Jonathan on in, in just a second. I got his theme too. But we have a friend of mine, uh, Laura Barlett, who has uh, a website. Our parent, uh, excuse me, ourpatientrights.com, and she's working with people. To, they actually have a medical contract. Uh, that you can sign, and uh, it prevents the hospitals from doing all kinds of things to you without your consent. So I made this over the week. I've been busy making a lot of stuff over the weekend. I'm going to play this real quickly, and then uh, I'll get to, uh, to Jonathan with his report. Do you know someone who died in a hospital? Did you know that medical errors are the leading cause of death in hospitals? What if I told you you could prevent or protect yourself from hospital death? The founders of Hospital Hostage Hotline and ProtocolKills.com are offering a free upcoming webinar titled How to Save Your Life When Hospitalized. Here you will learn how to have your choices legally honored, how to prevent unwanted protocols and treatments, how to understand hospital structure, how to stop harassment and bullying. Space is limited, so sign up today at protocolkills.com slash webinar. And if you're thinking, I'll just never go to the hospital, see where that gets you when you've suffered a car wreck, an asthma attack, or a ruptured appendix. It's not just about COVID anymore. So do yourself and your family a favor by knowing how to save your ass by signing up for this free webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Don't miss out. Do it now as if your life depends on it because it does. Reserve your seat to the webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Catch it October 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time 
or October 28th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, let's get to uh, Jonathan's report. What is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people, where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, there is no law. But there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now to try and make some sense of all this and use the law as it was meant to be used to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for the Legal Report <coughs> with Jonathan Mosley. There we go. Good so morning. Live. <laughs> Good morning. You, uh, 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 listen, listen for the unmute. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Are you? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. So, you're okay mm-hmm. now? You can hear me? Yeah, we're fine now. No, I hear you fine. So, just fine. Yeah. No, I, just, I just said we, we, we caught you. Uh, uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. I got Pianchi in the line, too. I'm going to bring him on in just a little bit. Um, but, okay. Uh, well, I um, mm-hmm. yeah. I uh, um, the thing is, is I um, uh, you set me up as usual for extremely uh, extremely high level of of uh, making sense of profound philosophical things. That's what we do um, here. We don't. But, this isn't the baby show. <laughs> this isn't the, this isn't the two year old no. news. <laughs> this is for grown ups. Right. Well, of course, there's so much going on. Much of it. Um, you know, outside of my <clears throat> my legal um, grounds, but one thing that I've been trying to get to for a while, and you, you know, you've mentioned that if we don't get to something right away, we'll wander off and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, biggest and topic first about it. Always, always do it. So, yeah. well, I don't know if it's the most important topic, especially with the whole world heading to World War Three, but in, mm-hmm. in in the area in, in my area of things, um. <clears throat> um that um, I wanted to talk about the gag order stuff going on. Um, okay. The uh, Donald Trump has been uh, issued a gag order now in two of these uh, completely frivolous cases. And um, I don't know that the average person can pay that much attention. That's why for a while we didn't go into all the January 6th developments because like a year ago, because so much of it was inside baseball. Right. But I hope people can start to understand how the procedures are corrupt um, here here in this in this situation. And again, you know, I have well, I wrote a friend of the court brief that was supposed to be filed October second. That we can't get the the attorney apparently has been has, in the Supreme Court has apparently been abducted by aliens. But but it, <laughs> but it's based on the idea that. that that, that corruptly is um, an ambiguous term, and it, and it's so it is meaningless. And as I've mentioned before, if in the legal context, if you say corrupt, 
uh, everyone will leap to saying you're accusing them of taking bags of cash, which, of mm-hmm. course, is not what corrupt means. No, that's bribery. Um, in any real sense. Yeah, that's a specific that kind is of bribery. corruption. Yeah. <laughs> it is a form of corruption, but the problem is there's many forms of corruption. So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I say when I talk Stealing about elections, <laughs> money laundering, <laughs> drug running. <laughs> Opening the border. The list is endless. In the court brief, I, I, I cite to an article where um, a news article where a man was found guilty of corrupting a minor. You know that that has nothing to do with bribery. It's right. it's it's uh, cor- things are corrupt when they're bent out of shape, when they're 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 twisted from their intended purpose, when they're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're not they're not as designed. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, um, <clears throat> King David died and saw corruption, meaning his body rotted. Right, right. So we have court procedures that I hope people will understand more and more are rotten. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that the individual judge is necessarily doing anything illegal. Well, I mean, they're outside of their legal authority. So anyway, <clears throat> we've got all these crazy things going on where um, – we have bogus prosecutions mm-hmm. and then we have all these equally bogus ways of trying to cover up the fact that the prosecutions are ridiculous and bogus and flawed. So to, to help sustain the bogus prosecutions of Donald Trump, which as he points out, I think we said last week um, that those, these these new procedures, these new laws and new procedures that are being tolerated, you know, they're not going to stop. If they get away with it, with a, with a billionaire who's the former president, what makes you think, the listener, that they can't railroad you? And so it, it it's it, tremendously important that that this be be stopped um, <clears throat> for many different reasons. So anyway, so we've got this thing. So they they come out and they. They issue a gag order because Trump is um, Trump is talking about the case outside of court, and this is part of the corruption. Uh, the uh, The thing is, is that it, you know it is it is a, a common issue that you know to complain that you're trying to try you're trying to try a case in public. The problem is what happens when it's too late? You know, you have the president of the United States, the attorney general. Every time there's a, every time there's a development in the case, the attorney general goes out and term of art, I don't mean to be un, unkind, but, the, but the, the legal term of art is to say pollute the jury pool, you know, mm-hmm. contaminate the jury pool. Um, and so you have all of, these attor- all of these top officials getting out there and telling everybody what... <clears throat> You know what? That, that all these people are guilty, from the January 6 people to Donald Trump, um, and then they turn around and say, "Oh, you can't talk about the case in public. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, are, are you out well, of no, your mind?" Well, no, that's like uh, that's like saying you can't talk about the results of the election after they stole the election. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, right. the hypocrisy or, or things like you, you can't do that when, of course, the Democrats have just done that. Um, I want to mention something. We've got uh, uh, John on live chat. Uh, John DeMonico does our, our uh, Women's Firearm Academy gun uh, report on Fridays. And he came up with a brilliant idea for a bill. Um, John, if you get a chance to call, you might be busy you know, with, with the academy. Um, but he talked about writing a bill that removes uh, 
prosecutorial absolute immunity. And I'm, I'm going to show it to you. Obviously, I want your input on this. But uh, let's see what we come up with first. But um, has anybody done anything like that? Is anybody working on, on legislation to, to stop this absolute immunity that prosecutors have? We're going to work on judges later. But this is what came up Friday. So I thought you'd be curious. Well, no. Uh, I, well, no. Let me, let me, let me back up. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people trying to get the House Republican slim majority to do these things. So anybody working on it? Yes, there are, there's people working on everything. And people, you know, people want to know about January 6th. And again, you, know, you could say January 6th, oh, I don't care about those people, but it's you too. Um, right. When you hear January 6th, you have to remember that you're next. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> the, um, um, so there are lots of people working on everything that you could possibly imagine. But in terms of anybody in office, who has the you know who has the position? No, they're just playing games as usual. Like we keep saying, the Republicans for a hundred years, their idea is you know like what you actually you actually took me seriously. Yeah. You know they they tell you they tell you what uh, you know what they're going to do. You know they tell you what you want to hear, and then they don't do it. Um, so we're finding that the Weaponization Committee, even Jim Jordan, and some of these other people, the people who are going in there and saying. Here's your evidence. I've got, here's a stack of papers. Here's everything you need to do what you said you were going to do. They're finding out that now the House Republicans are just, you know, they're still in the same mode of just pretending to do things, but not actually doing anything. Um, well, you got, comment, uh, you, got a, you got a great post that I shared. And Pianchi, your line is live now, too, so if you want to join us. Um, but you had this post about uh, Republicans and talk about, the, the, was it the plumber? Uh, can you explain that one? That that's a brilliant analogy. Well, it's taken me a while, and I, and it's it, it's born out of frustration. But yeah, I, I created this post to try to explain what what seems obvious to me all this time, which is that the the establish and, and if I, I've had in depth conversations with rhinos and their supporters, and they really don't get it. They you know their idea you know they, they think as I've said I've had these conversations I was helping Christine O'Donnell in the 2008 campaign when she's running against Joe Biden. And I, I, I'd, be, I'd love to hear sometime what she thinks about what was really going on. Get her on. Themes all- yeah, if she wants to come I'll on, ask. she's welcome. Yeah, I'll ask. Um, but, but she's kind of like retired from politics, which is really sad. But, but the mm. thing is, is that, is that <clears throat> um, oh, now what was I going to say? So, and I also did a lot of things after the second election, the big one for mm-hmm. public relations. And you, and the more you talk about people, the rhinos, they really truly believe that a member of Congress or official is supposed to be superior to us. They're supposed to be somebody we can look up to, and and they're you know we can admire. <laughs> I mean, they, well, they really believe something. this crap. They, they, but they have to do something. Wor- yeah, and I'm but, like, well, they have to do something worth worth you know looking up. That they, they, you know, respect is not granted by title. We're not an aristocracy. We're not nobility. That's not, that's, that's not how they think. Yeah, they they, right. they think so. I point. I I finally tried to put it into this post that I put on on Facebook that um, <clears throat> that you know imagine you have a, a plumbing problem. So you call mm-hmm. a plumber, and I've got a picture you can imagine of a of a guy in a tuxedo with a champagne on a tray. So the, the the plumber shows up. This is the rhinos, and and they they're wearing tuxedos. And they look great, and they talk great, and you know they quote, uh, you know they quote philosophers, and and they strut around and look really impressive. But when they leave, they didn't fix anything. 
Mm-hmm. The, the, your, your plumbing is still broken. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing is, is that the, the political establishment of all stripes in, in and around Washington, D.C., they really believe that's what the voters want. The voters want somebody to look up to, oh, isn't he fine? Look at his hair. He's oh, presidential. He has such a nice... <laughs> I always hate that term. I don't want someone who's presidential. I want someone who's president. Well, There's a big difference. Pianchi? Most voters do look up to them in that particular fashion. That's why they vote them in over and over and over again. <laughs> and well, another I... thing, if the muffling of Donald Trump is a problem, then why come pro-Trumpers aren't marching around the court with signs putting out the very, very worried text that he would like to say. Uh, Conservatives are free. (laughs) Democrats will be all over the place with their message. Yeah, well, that's the the problem. And, and you know, the American Revolution, they talked about summer patriots, you know, those who are only who are only patriots when the sun is shining and the weather is nice and and it's It's easy. easy. It's easy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, I understand that the, the goal of the establishment has been very conspicuously to intimidate um, dissidents. They, you know, that, that's why this is so dangerous, and that's why when you hear about prosecution of January 6th things, people have to realize that, that they're talking about you too, because the whole point of, the, of, of these attacks is to silence and intimidate um, the citizens. Uh, Not and, on this show. But I don't why. <laughs> no, I don't know why yeah. they're they're not. I mean, I mean the thing is, it's like <clears throat> remember Tiananmen Square, mm-hmm. where uh, this old guy um, is walking through Tiananmen Square and he's carrying like grocery bags. So he's like he apparently just wandering through. I, now I probably should go and study the background, but he's just wandering through, um, and, and he stops ahead of this line of tanks, and he decides, no, you're not coming here. And, you know, it's just this old guy with grocery bags, and he stands in front of the Chinese tanks and, and says, you, you know, I, I, I'm not letting you come through here. And uh, the tank commanders, for their credit, they decided, no, we're not, not going to fire on our own people. And you know what happened? Actually, guy. I think it was a student. I, I know I've seen the picture a bunch of times, and I, and I did a little follow-up. And do you know what happened to that student? No. He was killed. Well, I'm sure he was eventually, but in that moment. No, I mean, not in that the, moment. Then, yeah. No, because the cameras were watching. But the Chinese Communist Party took him out and killed him. So, uh, yeah, well, that's a, so that's, right. that's, you no, know, that's the follow-up. <clears throat> so, in other words, he gave his life for that image of one person defiantly. Uh, Pianchi says with a student. Pianchi, your line's live, so like I say, you can, you can join us here. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely something. I want to I bring on uh, John DeMonico, who does the, the Women's Firearm Academy report. Uh, that's what he owns is the Women's Firearm Academy. Uh, he's one of our new reporters on Friday, our, our gun reporter. And he had a very um, interesting uh, idea for Bill. I just want to kind of interrupt you for a little bit, and then we'll get back on, on track here. But uh, John called in. John, you got a couple minutes to explain your bill? Because this would be the perfect, per- yeah. perfect time to do it. Yeah, good morning. Um, Basically, it's just getting rid of the prosecutor's absolute uh, immunity to make them liable civilly and criminally for the decisions that they make. I think that would solve quite a bit of the problems. And if even January 6th is look at the malicious prosecution, look what's going on in the courts, the withholding of evidence, no discovery, all of these violations of people's civil liberties and civil rights and constitutional rights, 
if you were to eliminate that discretion, or not the discretion so much as their immunity behind those decisions, I think it would go a long way to help solve this part of the problem in the system. Yeah, John's former law enforcement. I mean, John's former law. I'll get to you now, Jay's. <laughs> John's former law enforcement. So he he knows about prosecutors. He knows about all kinds of stuff. Cases thrown out for for stupid reasons, things like that. Jonathan, I want to work on this. Well, I want yeah. to get your input once we have something. You know, at writeyourlaws.com. Again, I have a high degree of cynicism of the legislators um, um, who are going to. I mean, again, we've got to punch through this idea that. You know, we know you're, you know, we know you're playing games. Okay, no more games. You know, don't tell us you're going you're gonna to look into it, and then you never do. Um, so we've got we've to we've puncture that balloon. But, but absolutely, that should happen. Um, remember, um, <clears throat> oh, the, the uh, darn it. Um, there, there was a, one of the Trump advisors who was um, the basis, it's just the, the name is not hitting me here, the basis for um, the Russia hoax, um, Carter Page. And yeah. um, we sued over a bunch of those things. Uh, you know, the, the outrageous things, the, the, uh, out, the outside of jurisdiction things they did, the, the dishonesty, the corruption of what they did. And, and yeah, they said, no, they're, they, they're immune, the FBI agents. And that can't, you know, that, I mean, anytime, anytime somebody has immunity, they're going to push it to the limit. You know, it says, it says power, you know, what's his name? It says power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, so it, it is a dangerous stew to say that someone uh, has immunity without even maybe being qualified. Now, you know, you don't necessarily want people being sued every day. Uh, there might be some some guideposts, but but it has it has to be a balance. And we're we're like obviously, and the thing is, it's like we've had this lack of balance and lack of of guideposts, and and it's just like <clears throat> it got it hap- it worked fine for like a hundred years, hundred fifty years, and then because people were decent, and then suddenly people discovered, you know what, we could get away with this, and so now our country is going completely bonkers. John? I agree with the cynicism. No, I agree with the cynicism. I don't trust <laughs> our politicians as far as I'm throwing. But yeah, I think a lawyer. What do you your, expect? <laughs> right. I, I, <laughs> that speaks to you write your own laws and get them pushed through. Um, we're going to have to do this on our own. I, I, don't, I don't think the government will do anything for us, not even close. Well, remember so, yeah, how I, we I, do things I agree. here. Yeah, it's people first media, and then government. Government's the last place we take our bills. And people, because what we do here is so new and so revolutionary, uh, and because we're still developing a lot of how to do it, that uh, something I learned very quickly is that going to the legislature is the last place you go. You need a consensus. You need to build up consensus. It's like our bill that, uh, that, is, that returns compliance costs and gives defense equity payments for anybody under investigation. Government's never going to pass that because they want the power to investigate people and, and screw them over whether they're guilty or not. They don't care. So you have to go to the people first, and the Trump campaign would be the perfect place for that. So I'm not sure where the consist, constituency is uh, for this. So we're going to have to. Uh, well, it could be the January Sixers. You know, my my thing is that uh, uh, Trump gets them all out, uh, just scrubs the charges when the he takes over uh, um, with an attorney general of the Department of Justice and divides up all the Biden family money, uh, take that in civil asset forfeiture, and giving it to the January Six people. I mean, that's how I do it. You know, but you, you always go to the people first. So people in media. And social media. And so you build a consensus. Media reports on it. 
people share it, goes back and forth. So it's, it's almost like a preordained conclusion that this is going to happen. Then we go to the legislature and say, here's your bill. You know, <laughs> and then, uh, sure. but we still want the legislature because you don't want stupid bills passing. We don't want someone creating, you know, write your laws, you know, socialism.com and putting in a bunch of stupid stuff. That's why you need a legislature because we still have a constitutional process, but it really works reverse. Right now, the, the, the lobbyists, you know, buy the laws from Congress and they impose them on us. So we have to go, we have to write the laws to, to go through the government uh, through votes and then impose it on, on the lobbyists and special interests. So that's how it works. Anyway, back to you guys. Right. Well, um, but the thing is, part of it is, is that this audience and, and other, um, you know, uh, citizens have got to get to the point where, you know, we understand that the tricks being played, so they don't work. I mean, the tricks being played lose their power when, when you know, when you know what they're doing. And, yeah. and when, when the Republicans say, oh yeah, I'm going to look into that really carefully. And, you know, like, you're lying to us. You know, who, who are you kidding? You're lying. Um, and, uh, you know, until we're ready to, you know, to, to, to call them on it, um, then uh, they're going to get away with it. So um, that's why I think it's so important that people, people see the magician's trick, tricks. And, you know, people, people think, you know, what can I do? And I really believe that one of the things that you can do is make sure that nobody falls for, the nonsense. Um, sure. Anyways, John, go ahead. What do you think about starting it at a, at a state level then, and a local level, especially with what's going on in our inner cities? If you look at it in terms of the revictimization of everyone in that community, because these prosecutors are making decisions based on their political beliefs instead of what the law says, start there, pass it to the state level, and build on that momentum to carry it over to a federal level at some point. Absolutely. I mean, there are some things that where you can't uh, <clears throat> get away with. You can't uh, do something at the state level that people want to do. But this is something where, you know, with prosecutors that you certainly could. Um, and so, um, <clears throat> so I would, you know, I would, I would strongly support that. Um, Wasn't well, this mostly at the so, state level? It's mostly the state what? level because that's where most of the prosecutors are, the DAs. You know, this is state level. The, the, the federal prosecutors, you know, are, the, the, are mostly Department of Justice. That's a more limited group or, unless the U.S. attorneys are involved in that. Uh, so let me ask Jonathan that. Who's, who's actually prosecuting these, these cases, these, the, these bogus January 6th cases? Is it U.S. attorneys? Who's doing it? Um, <clears throat> well, Jack Smith is appointed as a special counsel, which is okay. the replacement to – um, you remember the old independent counsel, uh, and again, people need to understand these tricks, is that everybody, they were going after all the Republicans with um, 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 the independent counsels until suddenly the Republicans started to use them against Clinton. Well, now suddenly they didn't like him so, more, so, so much. So the independent counsel law, expired because it was used, you know, it, it, the only way, the only time any of you Democrats expired. That's why, that's why people, that's why I, I, you know, I say we should use them against the other side. People say, Oh, it'll never work or, you know, whatever. It's like, I tell you that, you know, the quickest way to get a bad law repealed is to use it against the Democrats. Um, if, if, if they can use, if they can run wild against Republicans, it'll never, mm -hmm. it'll never leave. <clears throat> but, um, Anyway, so, 
so so there, there there's that and um so yeah but the thing is is that there are both state prosecutors and federal prosecutors so okay. it is entirely possible to start with the state but they'd be different well, they'd be different bills be, jonathan oh just it's going to have to start at the, at the state you can't okay. write a federal law that's going to impose the restrictions on states no, 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 I mean, no, no, no. This would be federal law. You need a constitution amendment. No, you don't. No, I think he's saying. I think he's saying ahead, that you you, you start with state laws, perhaps in places where, <clears throat> you know, where we have republic. Well, again, you know, I we're you know I should laugh. We have Republican majorities in the state legislature. You know, as Don <laughs> Bengino says, is that the problem with Washington is that all. Um, you know, all Democrats are Democrats, but only some Republicans are Republicans. You know, a lot of Republicans are really Democrats. Um, well, so that's, that's why um, we don't use rhino. <laughs> Jonathan, I don't know if John knows our new term for, for rhino. Um, I call them transgender Democrats. I think <laughs> there you go. Well, I call them Democrats pretending to be Republicans. And again, mm. in terms of knowing the tricks, you know, seeing the audience and every individual activist or anyone you talk to thinking, you know, uh, saying, I, I know how the magic trick was done. Right. Um, you know, one of the things you have to understand is that, is that if you are in a Republican dominant district mm-hmm. and you want to run for office, what are you going to do? You're going to pretend to be a Republican. And people mm-hmm. would say, well, why would, you know, why would somebody pretend to be a Republican? Because they're in a district that they can't get elected. Yeah. You know, if they ran as a Democrat, they'd be <clears throat> tarred and feathered and run out of town on a rail. So they pretend to be Democrat, to pretend to be Republicans when they're not, and it's not it's not hard to understand when you realize that that's the only way they can get elected. So well, um, you know, in St. Louis, in St. Louis, the Democratic prosecutor Kim Gardner, who went after who went after the McClowskis, that's a Democratic stronghold in St. Louis, and the Republican legislature forced her to. Resigned from that position, even though she got reelected just recently, mm-hmm. she ended up resigning because of the pressure. Right. Well, I would I would say that's a, that's open. an example when when we finally got enough push um, pushback to to not buy. You know, when when we're not buying what they're selling, and they actually have to do what they promised to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get things done. Well, I mean, we that can was beat these people, but, but you know, my article. I just wrote the article on, on Devin Nunez uh, for a speaker, and I, st- I came to the conclusion that I'm going to start calling the Democrats the Alpha Party, uh, and the, and the Republicans the Beta Party, the the submissive subordinate ones to the Alphas, because that's really what they become. The Beta Party. The Beta Party, yeah. The Alpha Party and the Beta Party. Right. Just I mean, and see, that's another example of of, of the magician's trick. Is that people will say that, um, oh, but their their voting record. Of course, you have to say, you know, I, I've gone I've gone to every every CPAC run by um, the American Conservative Union that I'm able to go to. If I'm in the area, if I don't have a conflict and things, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I I I I do love it. But the American Conservative Union is wide, widely understood in the conservative circle. Those who really know, those who are cynical that the purpose of the American Conservative Union is to, is to politically launder 
uh, liberal Republicans and make them look acceptable by giving them. I thought it was to make money. I thought it was a money maker. Well, <laughs> well there's that big, too. Yeah. There's that, and that probably goes hand in hand. But they, uh, you know, they the uh, <clears throat> the um um you know they 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 give ratings to people that that are not to, to Republicans that are not justified. Um, because they, you know, the goal is to is to make uh, them is to make Democrats pretending to be Republicans uh, look okay. But the fact is, like you say, it doesn't matter what their rating is on certain key votes. Remember, when you when you see a a, a rating of their votes, mm-hmm. they're only selected votes. So whoever selects what what votes to score right. manipulates the outcome. And so they have, um, so they, but the thing is, is that it's things, it isn't just how they vote. I mean, most votes are not controversial. Um, you know, the, the vast majority of votes, everybody votes the same way. It's the key one that, that chain, you know, that turn the ship. And there are things, like you say, the difference between, um, the difference between a, uh, you know, the alpha, alpha males and the beta males. It's yeah. not so much you know, what their voting score is. It's when, like when push comes to shove, do they, do they shove or do they cower in the corner? And that, that's, where, that's where our country is being, is being lost is the beta party that, that, that just, you know, w- when they have a chance to, you know, to sink a knife into the back of the Democrats, they say, oh, that wouldn't be nice. You know, we wouldn't do that. Yeah. Hey, just just to clarify, this is a good point, but just to clarify before we move on, if if, if John and I, as we're crafting this bill, uh, if we start looking at state issues, uh, I don't know if attorney generals actually prosecute cases, but we could certainly include them. So from district attorney to state attorney general would be one bill. And then the second bill would be U.S. attorneys up through the U.S. attorney general because they cover different laws and different things. And, and would that make sense to do two separate bills um, and just have the state well, bill? Well, it would. And, and what, okay, go ahead. What John is alluding to, I think, um, I assume, is that a lot of legal reform has bubbled up from the state. So if, if there if there is, you know, if you just get one state, you're, you may not, you know, change the country. But if, if you get a movement mm-hmm. and 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 it seems to work and everything like that, eventually it'll bubble up to the to the federal level. Because the federal yeah, level only has three states. crimes. Yeah, go ahead, Pianchi. Go ahead, Pianchi. You got fifty states. You're gonna to have to have fifty different bills. Yeah. No, you can have the same bill. You just have different uh, citations in law. It's going to be a, a title and section. I mean, that we when we write state legislation, it's a model. You know, my state election integrity bill for for Florida that uh, Dan Warren and I wrote, uh, mostly her, um, is the only thing that makes it unique to Florida is the title and the section. But the parts in it, especially the part about, uh, something I should have told Jessica about earlier in the first hour, uh, about all voter registrations expiring December 31st at midnight. You know, nobody has that. But any, every state can do that. They just have to figure out which, which uh, title and section to put it in. Jonathan, what do you think? Well, yeah, the, the key, the key yeah. word is every state can do it if they want the California well, Massachusetts is not going to follow that bill. No, no, but that's, that's always going to be the case. That's how they do let through and be completely unrecognizable. But let's get out of here. That's why we write the legislation first before we send it in. So the, the, for just, in fact, that's a brilliant point, exactly for that reason, that, you know, if we just did this secretly, 
Uh, you know, and that they would come out and say, oh, here's your bill on vaccine product liability. and would have no liability in it whatsoever. But because we publish the bills ahead of time, which are date stamped, you know, and the people know exactly what we're submitting because we actually are transparent, that there's no way for the legislature to come back with the same title on a totally different bill. So well, that's not what we submitted. That's why we structured it this way. So just for that reason. Panel? So I got a question. Um, yeah, go ahead. Could you... I don't know how that works, but could you run it as a ballot initiative in the states that didn't make it work? Oh, ballot! I have a lot of experience with ballot initiatives in California. I'm not sure how much Jonathan and Pianchi have, but California ballot initiatives are huge. Now, originally, uh, they were for things that the legislature wasn't doing, for exactly the right. reasons Jonathan said. Cowards and we who just want to run for re-election. The problem is there's so much money now in a ballot initiative that special interests are sponsoring their own ballot initiatives and then lobbying them through obscene amounts of money to get them passed. And the legislature doesn't have the guts to do anything about it. I'll give you a typical example. Uh, this guy, Stern, Stein, whatever his name is, he's a <coughs> ultra-rich, multi-billionaire, uh, high-tech mogul guy. Uh, in California. And I think he put on the ballot himself a bill to break California into six different states, one of which was uh, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, the richest part of the state. And another state was the entire farm belt of poor people made, made poor because they wouldn't give them any water because they stole all the water from the San Joaquin and the, the San uh, Sacramento rivers. So balances, uh, I, I love them, but you got to take the money out. Be, otherwise, you know, and it's, this is the flaw with democracy. The flaw with democracy is the people can be bought. So it doesn't take that much to buy, you know, 51% or 50 plus one. That's the problem. That's why democracies don't work. So ballot issues yeah, in theory are great. If you don't think mm-hmm. the attorney's lobby is going to put a ton of money to prevent that from happening, mm-hmm, uh, as far as are. the immunity bill goes, it's going to be the same problem. Yeah, so but the national trial like, lawyers that... might put a bunch of money on the other side. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet no. on it. There's my cynical no. side, but you know that's yeah. that's them protecting their own because those people are looking at judgeships or looking at you know other jobs in their future. Oh, but I could be wrong. You're more cynical than I am. You you, you and Jonathan are rival each other. I do think that we're at a point in society <laughs> where it's it goes back to you know never, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm. We're at a point where these cities and our lawlessness in our society where this might be an opportunity to at least broach the subject. And push it forward in that smaller oh, hell yeah. to make that oh, travel. I, I'm, I'm behind you. I want to write the bill with you. I think this is going to be great. And like I say, Jonathan has a, has a ton of experience in criminal defense. I mean, he's the perfect person to, to help with this. You know, he's just busy. Um, Jonathan, we've got about <laughs> 22 minutes left. Uh, did you have other, other stories that you wanted to cover, other issues? Well, I just wanted to go in a little bit more to the, <clears throat> to the gag order things. The, um, sure. I, I'm looking in um, – you know, it's a little bit hard because basically what they do with like immunity is like, well, um, uh, the um, is that, well, we have to be able to do whatever, you know, for example, we have to be able to do whatever we want to do. Um, um, uh, you know, because, you know, otherwise we might not be able to do our job, but doing your job is to do it correctly. And, mm-hmm. and legally and within, you know, within the boundaries of, of your, of your, your authority. Um, and I mean, our, you know, the thing is, our entire constitution is an anti-government document because yeah. it says what the government cannot do. Yeah. And, that's and, why I'm an anti-federalist. <laughs> it's not strong enough in areas that it should be anyway. Yeah. 
Well, let me ask you this, Jonathan. Uh, this is so blatantly unconstitutional, these gag orders. In fact, the whole cases are unconstitutional. You know, bringing charges, it's all politically motivated. They're only doing this for the sole reason to get Donald Trump either off the ballot or silent during the election. It has nothing to do with justice or anything like that. Where's the Supreme Court? Don't we supposedly have, allegedly, three somewhat conservative, constitutional-minded uh, judges, not justices, I've read the Constitution, judges that should have just thrown all of this stuff out? And, we're, and the Congress, the same thing. The weenies, the Republican weenies, the geldings. This is what I call them, John, this is what I call them, the, the, the GOP stands for gelding old party. John's in Montana. He knows what gelding means. He's laughing already. Mm-hmm. But this is true. <laughs> It's true. This is so blatantly unconstitutional. You know, where's the conservative press? Where's the Supreme Court? Where's, where's anybody except us? This is obviously, well, this judge should be removed immediately. It's like the governor of New Mexico for, for you know, saying, I can, I can uh, walk over the Second Amendment. I'm the governor. I don't care. Remove her. Arrest her. And we even have the title to do it. Federal law, Title 18, Section 241. Conspiracy against rights. Anybody that, uh, you know, any two or more people that conspire to, to remove the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, you throw their ass in jail and you fine them. This judge should be in jail. Right. Jonathan? Yeah. Well, why don't they move and impeach the judge then? That's where you get rid you of don't it. You're talking about the federal, you don't, you're talking you don't about have, the federal ahead, drugs. Right. Yes, I agree with you. State, <laughs> if it's a state judge, then that needs to start within the state because you should agree to that. But well, uh, ask, uh, until, uh, until some state, some government put a judge on notice, they're going to continue to push the envelope like we have noticed them done in other things like the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly raised a good issue. I want to get some clarity on this from Jonathan. Uh, the difference between impeachment and arrest. So, uh, so here's how I understand. If you impeach somebody, that's for you know, what the Supreme Court standard is, bad behavior. So if they ex- exhibit bad behavior, they, they violate the Constitution, they do some other things. Like, well, in other words, the decision is obviously flawed or they're doing something that, that comes under bad behavior. That, that you impeach them for. But if they're actually committing a crime, a gag order, you know, which, so, which violates, you know, like I said, the laws I've said. Where, where's the line? Where, where do you distinguish between impeaching a judge and simply arresting them for committing a crime on the bench? Tough question, I know. Well, as I've said before, the difference is, is cowardice. Okay. Um, you, know, they, they, uh, you know, could they, could they arrest them for arrestable things? Yes, they could, but they won't because, <clears throat> you know, basically – they're ignorant of how our system works. They're ignorant of constitutional law. Their voters are ignorant. The media mm-hmm. is ignorant. And they only, it's like a CC fly who, you know, lives for like a month, not, uh, you know, or whatever it is. Oh, spring, 24 like, hours. They live for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's they, very busy they think, during that time. Yeah. Right. So they think that their, their experience is the entirety of, of existence. And they don't, you know, they don't know that just because they haven't seen a judge arrested, um, that therefore it, it isn't done. Um, <clears throat> now, a crime like bribery, there are judges who've been, uh, I mean, ba- basically, I forget who said it with it, Bianchi or whatever, but I spent the last um, two weeks writing an impeachment document for Chief Judge um, Beryl Howell at the request of Trennis Evans. Um, and we're, wait, we're trying, we're working Chief on Judge getting where? it. Where, where, is he, where is he, Chief uh, Judge? Chief Judge of the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia okay. for all the January cases. Um, oh. And there are, I was surprised that in, there are 15 times that federal judges have been impeached 
And mm-hmm. some of them are just for like neglecting, you know, being abusive on the bench. Mm-hmm. Some of them is like just being drunk um, on the bench. I mean, some of them are bribery. Some of them are crimes. Some of them are not. But those are arrestable, right? So this is what I'm trying to establish this line. So bribery to me is an arrestable offense. Uh, being drunk on the bench would be an impeachable offense because they're not driving right. drunk. They're just, sitting, well, they're just sitting there, right? But that would be yeah, impeachable. But, right. like the, the, okay, go ahead. Does that make sense? Right, but, but, but I mean, I mean the, a, a, a crime is both. You know, if, if it's a, you know, now not if it's jaywalking or something perhaps, but, it's, but, mm-hmm. it, but a sufficiently severe crime is both arrestable and impeachable. Do you need both? But yeah. In other words, if you arrest no. a judge, well, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't take the him problem. off the bench, right? You have to do both. That's the, that's the problem. That's why I spent about 40 pages writing this thing is because everybody oh. assumes do tell. that the only way well, – the only, oh, the well, the but, no, but I mean, that's why that that's why um, that's why everybody assumes that the only time you can impeach a judge is is for bribery, which is the most recent examples. But, you know, but that's just because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so, but and you need, um, both, though. You, need, you need both arrestment I mean, and impeachment. They want to get to Bianchi's point. No, no, you don't. You don't. I mean, oh. there are there are cases in U.S. history where where. Uh, judges have been impeached right. without committing a crime. Okay, so they've you know, been removed being, from the bench for impeachment, but how, but if, if someone is arrested for a crime, uh, like prosecutorial misconduct or some or whatever judicial misconduct, is is that enough to remove them from the bench? By can you serve on the bench after committing crimes like that? Okay, so you don't have to impeach to remove them. An arrest would also remove them from the bench from no, the job. No, no, no. You ha- no. you would have to. To remove them from the bench, you would have to, um, you you would have to also impeach them, although okay. um, it would sort of sail through. And um, a lot of times, when something like that happens, the judge resigns before it goes to the Senate. So, like Nixon. Well, if Pianchi, if, Pianchi go if, ahead. If you arrest a judge, you have to charge them with a crime. A prosecutor has to charge them with a crime. Then they are entitled to due process. Now, if they're mm-hmm. found guilty, they're going to be in jail, and they automatically are going to be removed. You can't serve on the bench in jail. What about when they're out, though? That's right. what I was thinking. Well, that <clears throat> that's true, but the House would still have to act to do it, to make it official. I mean, I mean, again, at that, if, if it got to that that's point, the judge would... That's if an it got to that point... Okay, one at a time, guys. Right. One at a time. If it Jackie, got to that point, point the, judge, okay, the judge would almost certainly resign before without yeah. the necessity for an official. But where the Congress come in is on impeachment. On a crime come in, it's just a prosecutor that sees that this person has committed a crime, and they're going to be charged, and they got to go to trial. Yeah. Well, well most the, people uh, think that the only you can only impeach someone if they commit a crime, which is not true. Not, it's not even what's happened in our history. That's the big point right there. That's just really important. Hey, Jonathan, in, in history, has the, has the Congress ever rule, overruled the Supreme Court uh, with legislation? Well, that's a big topic because a lot of times the Supreme Court is just interpreting uh, a badly written 
bill by Congress. Yeah, but that's unconstitutional, so, as we, we've discussed. John, John's new to this, but John, we, we talk about stuff like this all the time, that the Supreme Court has no power. There is no, there's no, there's no interpretations clause. Okay. There's no judicial review clause. Most of what the Supreme Court does is unconstitutional and illegal, you know, for, for various but, reasons. But they can interpret a law, though, Greg. <laughs> no, they can use... They can look at a law and see if the law is unconstitutional. Which is different from saying that we're looking at the law and we can't tell what the heck it says. So Congress certainly overrules the Supreme Court in rewriting a badly written law. But you're talking about can the Congress overrule on whether something is unconstitutional. And I don't, I don't know that that's ever been done explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, See, if we believe that the branches, you know, that the Supreme Court is the least powerful of the branches, that they have no power to just – see, I think the assumption is that, that – I heard this ridiculous thing of the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, that you have to have a constitutional amendment to, to overturn the Supreme Court, which is absolute lunacy. That's insane. Anyway, but the point is that Congress – the reason I ask that is because they should. You know, the, the Congress has the ability legislatively to overrule. And I'm going to disagree with Pianchi. And we've talked about this Jim Dykes for, for, for months. We went over this. The difference between using the, the Constitution and interpreting it, using a law and interpreting it. So in other words, here, here's, here's the line that I draw. I'm, I'm curious about I'm, I'm going to go through all three, Pianchi, Jonathan, and John, about this. But the line is very is, – is rather it took us a long time to define it. But if the Supreme Court uses the Constitution – and they want to find for one of the parties to the case. And they said that this law, you know, in our opinion, this law is unconstitutional. We find for these people. That is absolutely within their power. But what's not in their power is to say we overrule the law. We, we define the law as unconstitutional. We're repealing it. They cannot do that. And that's the difference between judicial review and their, their just powers as defined by Article 3 in the Constitution. They use it, but they can't interpret it. They, they can use the laws in the Constitution to resolve their cases, but they cannot make policy law or regulation, or they cannot overrule a law made by the Congress. Start with Pianchi. What do you think? Well, I hear what you're saying, but it's just like you were given the case, you give the example with removing a judge. How are you going to bring charges against a judge who they got immunity from charges in the beginning? That's another, that's another issue, but it's a great point. That's why we want to write the bill. We're going to work on a judge bill, too. I mean, John and I are going to be very busy. Jonathan, have I drawn the line pretty carefully between judicial review and uh, just powers as, as outlined in – or delegated powers as outlined in Article 3? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the popular misunderstanding is that a judge, a judge who commits a crime that is outside of his job it, you know, can be impeached for breaking that law. If they if they break the law in terms of um, someone's constitutional rights or other things, mm-hmm. the the weenie, like I say that you know the, the 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 an expert in Washington is someone who knows absolutely nothing, but just listens <laughs> to what the person next to them said and, and says and repeats. You know they they listen to other people who know nothing, the blind leading the blind, and they just repeat this nonsense. Um, so they they think that. That if someone, if a judge commits a crime um, within the context of his deciding a case, that he can't be touched. And there's mm-hmm. nothing like that in the in the Constitution. 
Interesting. I want to get John's opinion, then I want to raise something a little bit different. We've got about 10 minutes left here, and so I have to talk about the speaker. Uh, anyway, John, go ahead. What do you think about the – have you ever heard that interpretation – oh, not interpretation, but have you ever heard that line drawn between using laws in the Constitution to resolve cases and interpreting and making law regulation and policy in terms of judicial review and removing laws? John? Yeah, I think – well, I think that was the original intent, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But they usurped mm-hmm. that power a long time ago, and we've allowed it to happen. So they, yeah. they, they basically took that power, and now everyone and their mother, who's a quote-unquote expert, according to Jonathan, just believes mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. So there's no basis of well, knowledge. It's just I heard it from so-and-so, or my instructor mm-hmm. told me, or the teacher in the college told me, or whoever the law mm-hmm. school professor said, and that's, <laughs> that's the slope we're down, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get Alan Dershowitz on the show because I want to debate him on this very point. Uh, and, and a few others. Um, this is interesting. The, um, I want to talk about the speaker race because something really incredible happened over the weekend. The public vote for Jim Jordan was pretty high, only about 20, 22 defectors. The private vote in the basement when nobody was watching, I think there were like 120 votes against him and 80 votes for him. So, the, so the, here's a, here's a, there's no better example of the deep state than this publicly they only wanted to have a few people not have jordan vote because they wanted to show how they were unified behind jordan but privately they hate them they don't want anything america first they hate this country they want their privilege they want their deep state uh, comfort um let's start with jonathan on this one did you notice that did you see that vote or hear about that well yeah i think I, i've been spent most of the weekend arguing with idiots on, on the social <laughs> media don't you feel um, better coming but, on the show uh, here when you have intelligent people? It's just such a difference, yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> but the thing is, is, that, is that originally, in private, the, the Republican House Conference nominated Jim Jordan. Right. All, the, all these weenies, and I've been posting mainly memes of, of, of temper tantrums by children on, uh, on, on the, on the You're Republican You're on a roll today. <laughs> You're yeah, I know. But, but, but the thing is, is they've got – I mean – they're, they're trying to nitpick Jim Jordan, and, I, and I'm right. trying to say, no, you nominated him, dummy. He is yeah. the nominee of the Republican House Conference, and really that, you know, that hasn't really changed because nobody else has been nominated. And, and, and so they nitpick and they ignore the fact that, like, he's your nominee. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not like, it's not like somebody's throwing out some crazy name, and, and you're like, well, we don't like that and name. And he's popular. Well, you like you... And yes. he does a good job. And you like him. So, and, and, and I think he's popular because everybody knows that, you know, the gig is up. They know they're trying to put in uh, rhinos. Um, so, but, but, but so the thing is, is that, but yeah, then they turned around and they, they unnominated him, which I think I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> so I don't know what, and now we've got at least nine people running. Oh, great. Well, that, was my be- next, that was my next question. Who, where, who are these people? Where did they come from? Is this like, like a speaker du jour? Did they just throw a bunch of names in? Because none of these people have been vetted, qualified. They, don't have, they haven't run for the position. They've never right. talked about being speaker. These people are out of nowhere. It's like the deep state wish list. It's like the Republican, the, the goobers, you know, all the goobers that are running for, for uh, uh, president on the Republican side. They're not going to get it. Trump's already got the nomination. We know that, right? Well, uh, right. Barring some <clears throat> unforeseen yeah, might- gag order. But, but so why apparently are you doing Mike this? Pence is, apparently Mike Pence is out of money, and the Politico had this big article uh-huh. about you know once a darling of the right. No, he was never a darling of the right. No, we hated him. We He's didn't. the one that stole the election for for the Democrats. He's the first Republican you know uh, presidential ticket person to actually steal the election for the other side. That's yeah, what I think of Mike but Pence. But even even before he became Trump's 
vice president. He right. he was he was a self-proclaimed, "Hey, look at me. I'm a darling of the right." Like, "No, you're not." Nope. No. Nope. Um and <clears throat> so um, you know, but anyway, so so yeah, they've got so the the idea apparently, we don't know what's really going on. I mean, what's really going on of course is is, is the donor this is the revolt of the donor class. That's okay. why I think this met had to happen. It it has to be out in the public. You know, what what's um, you know, like, like Kay Granger is an appropriator. Um, Who's that? Jen Kagan. Oh, in, these are people running in Virginia. Right. You know, is, is she represents a military district, and I've been posting. It's like your military voters do not want out of control federal spending. Stop it. <laughs> you know that she she is a she is a total she is a total rhino whose only accomplishment in the Virginia <laughs> State Legislature was to regulate helium balloons. Oh. Um, and this, uh, and this, I mean, this 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 just rhino, ridiculous. So I mean, because I helped Jim Bell, I helped I I did research Jonathan, on her for Jim Bell. But but, but the point. The, the right, one at a time. Between uh, Jordan and uh, Soros, that's has been floating around. Emmers, this guy named Emmers is 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 a Soros. Um, Oh, didn't know that. That's interesting. So, so um, these and, people are they? Have they been pre-selected by the deep state? You know, just waiting for an opportunity to to throw all their names in. It's like dividing Emmers, markers. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so, okay. I mean, Kevin McCarthy took about you know point three seconds to to endorse Emmers when his name floated. Um, huh. they, so the deep state the deep state wants Emmers um, so they can sell out to the Democrats. Right. And, so he's the new Paul um, Ryan, Kevin McDeep State, John Boehner. He's the next in line to right. make sure the Republicans don't do anything good. Now, right? now you're you're pushing for Devin Nunes. And, yeah, I and am. That, I, that's starting to get some traction out there. Really? Who else is saying it? Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I guess who it was, but it came. As I was looking this morning, it, you know, people are people are are are, are promoting that that it does not have to be. Did, did they read my article? Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, they'll never. I mean, they'll never admit it. They'll they'll steal yeah, the exactly. ideas. Right. But but the but the thing is is that he is a former member of Congress, a leading. Right. I mean, I think he was in Republican leadership at one point. Uh-huh. It's, it's not like just picking some. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read my article? Like I mean, you've been busy, but because uh, you're probably writing your own. But I had a bunch of points as to why Devin Nunes should be speaker. He's not in the Congress right now. He's not beholden to the Republican Party. He's not beholden to special interests or or, or um, donors. Right. He can act independently. He doesn't have to run for a seat. You know, he can he can come and go pretty much as he pleases. And he's got a fabulous record on energy, on the environment and on the economy. And most important, he's the one that started the whole investigation against the deep state. He's the one that called out the, you know, the the, the Russia hoax. He's the one that investigated all kinds of things, the FISA court. He's the one that started all. It wasn't Jim Jordan. It was Devin Nunez. He'd be the perfect speaker as far as I'm concerned. Better than Jim Jordan, as much as I like Jim Jordan. And I do. But Devin would be better. He never should have left Congress. Idiot. <laughs> Two minutes. Well, I agree with you. I, 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 I agree with that point. It's time to get away from these long-standing Congress people in these positions where they can do damage, and who knows who's behind them. Hmm. Right. I want to. But, anyway, but I like. <laughs> I wonder what you've heard about about this idea because I, I wrote the article what Saturday I think I, I put it out Saturday morning. I'll find it and send it to you again. But, okay. but the problem is, is I read these things I don't necessarily have a chance to keep them, but. But the thing is, is that, um, uh, but the point, the point is, is that they don't, you know, 
Nunes is not a total stranger to Congress, even if he's not currently sitting. Um, so, um, you know, so I think I think he's a great a great choice. Uh, but anyway, so uh, um, yeah. So the thing is, is that so the apparently, if I'm guessing charitably, they thought, well, we, we nominated Jim Jordan, it didn't fly, so we needed to, to, you know, it's getting messy. Pull Jordan and do something else, and now they've got. Nine people running. Oh, great! That's going to be yep. smooth and 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 no, no, no chaos there. Yeah, that's so. In other words, any one of those nine are deep states. So it doesn't matter which of the nine gets elected. It's like the goobers. It doesn't matter which goober you know gets the nomination as long as one of the goobers does. It's the same strategy. Let's right. get John in here because um, we got about a minute before uh, um, right. before Dorothy gets here. We totally change subjects. John, what do you think? Uh, I, I think that Jonathan's right, but I also think that the Jim Jordan thing would be interesting in the sense that I think it was a safe vote. It was safe to nominate him at the time, but it's a backdoor way to slander him and marginalize him later on. Hey, he couldn't be speaker. We couldn't get behind him. Now his policies are different. Now his opinions don't matter as much. So it's a way for them to tear him down because they don't like what he's doing because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone get your hands down. That was yeah. All right. What, what, what's what's that in the background? That's weird. That that was it's not me. Too many windows open. Anyway, oh. um, <laughs> so um, where do you live, Jonathan? <laughs> you need to, you no, need to no. I mean, computer windows. Oh, that's a computer. Oh, I see. That was a YouTube. Okay, it sounded pretty pretty. Well, just to let you all know, just we're we're getting more effective here. I got my first uh, obscene text. And so they've looked at my number, <laughs> which I'm not going to give now, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's starting. You know, it's only a question of time before we get death threats and all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, we're doing the right thing, folks. We're doing what we should be doing. You know, we're we're. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're I, I, I think if, if you don't get what? death threats, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'll make that a, a show title one day. Yeah, if you don't get death threats, you're not trying. Yeah, exactly. All right. Can well, I ask John, I mean, question get, about the yeah. gag order? Uh, say, uh, say that again. Uh, can I ask Jonathan about his, uh, a question you, about the gag order? You can, but it's got to be really quick because we've got Dorothy here. So it's, it's, uh, it's her report now. So just let's just do it real fast. Question Jonathan, and then I mean, question John, then answer Jonathan. And then I'm going to leave you guys. We'll pick it up uh, next time. All so, right. real quick, uh, we talked about uh, Tiananmen Square. Do you think it would be better for Trump to make this as Tiananmen Square and just ignore it entirely and continue just to speak out to force the issue? Either they put him in jail or they let it go. Good question. I agree. It, it, it's a difficult strategy question, but it might be. Now, uh, the, one of the things I didn't get to was is that, is that Trump appealed uh, uh, Chutkin's order, and, and Chutkin put, a, put it on pause, the gag order, to allow them to appeal. So he is appealing in the normal way. But if he, if he ignored it, then they would have to justify it in trying to enforce it, which would, which would bring, bring the same issues out. Particularly if he were to to ignore it strategically in the sense that where the gag order is incredibly vague and overbroad, if he did things that cannot be justified, then, um, then, you know, it'd be a great way to, to, to push, you know, push it it to the public. The fact that this, this is defective. Yeah. Let's take it up Friday. You know when, a uh, on Friday. No, no, I got to hold you up. I got to hold you all up. It's been a great hour. I know, I know, I know. We're, well. <laughs> we're going to move on here. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank John, you. for joining us. 
Uh, and Jonathan, if you want to join uh, John's report on Friday, uh, it's it's nine thirty Eastern time, eight thirty Central, and we'll talk to you all okay. uh, later. Let's let's totally shift gears here. I meet everybody. Here we go. We'll take care, right. guys. It's been fun. There we go. All right. Uh, and uh, there we go. Let's get to Dorothy's report. Totally, totally different. And I really look forward to this, too. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, the energies are the same. You know, you get a bunch of guys talking about politics. Uh, it's, it's not sexual, but it's like the intensity. You know, it's hard to stop these guys. And I love it. I love the, I love the interaction. It's really fabulous. But, uh, you know, has anybody done a study like the brain waves, you know, between politics and sex? You know, either talking about it or doing it. <laughs> just, I'm just curious. I mean, mm. is, is, is sex politics, is politics sex for politicians? I mean, I just, you know, I, don't, I think I made a comment on one of your posts, something to that effect. Yeah, and I and I answered because I always think of political as a power, the power distribution. Who's in Ooh, power when I think good politics? Point. Right. And so, I mean, that's worth exploring the concepts of, of power and sexuality and intimacy. Political power um, versus sexual power. Yeah, your line's a little a little fuzzy. I don't know if you're away from the phone or a different phone or a different area. Something oh. like that. just a little just Uh-oh. a little bit not quite as clear as before. That's okay. I mean, I can hear oh, you. I just want to make sure. I don't, I don't know why. I might need it. Oh, you know what? I do know why. Thank you. I oh. will fix that. Forthwith. Okay, right. Forthwith. There we go. Mark, oh. Marco's looking forward to your report, too. He's on the line in, uh, he's on the live chat in, uh, in the Netherlands. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, he, says, he says, I think Michael Jackson made a song about you, Dorothy Diana. Yeah, Dorothy Diana. I don't think, I don't know if that's, that's quite a, a Michael Jackson I know Jackson he's song. talking about. He's talking about Dirty Diana. That's oh, Dirty, Dirty Diana. Diana, which oh my goodness, which um, <laughs> is is fun to sing my name to. So I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> next week, rehearse. <laughs> Make yeah, Marco's day. Okay, I'm switching over my headset. I think she had the gamer headset for all those video games she plays. I know I, I need a good oh, that's, gamer uh, headset. Oh, there's was, there's there's, was, there's your sexy female you know sexuality report voice. Much better, thank you. I feel better already. Oh, thank you for yep. letting me know. Totally so different. So we're not here mm-hmm. to talk about sex and politics or is no. sex political, but it is an interesting topic. Um, power during sex. Can can you can can you submit and surrender? Can you surrender to the pleasure in your body? And believe it or not, many people can't. I, I venture to say most are not fully submitting to pleasure and to their partner's desire to give them pleasure. Um, there's a lot of blockages we create psychologically, emotionally. And that is on topic for today because I wanted to continue our discussion about not just the extended orgasm and the concept of that the tantric um, phenomenon of extended orgasm, but as it relates to being willing to submit 
to pleasure and to go completely into pleasure and to feel that you deserve pleasure, which, believe that's it or key. not, I think that's many people right do not on, yeah. on a subconscious yeah. level feel they deserve happiness and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Why is uh, do you want to recap last week real quickly, uh, or, or should we just leap into this week and have folks just? We were all over the place. Yeah, we, we were, were all over the place as usual, but it's okay. I will recap uh, to the best of my recollection. We discussed the topic was extended orgasm and why women resist pleasure, um, mm-hmm. because you can talk about technique all you want um, when it comes to sexuality and physical intimacy, but if there's not the other stuff in place, the healing from shame and the being able to be present in the body and the being able to really connect with others, we're very handicapped in intimacy, right? And mm-hmm. and so it doesn't matter how wonderful you do kind of lingus and how wonderful your deep throat method is or whatever you're playing with you're really cut off from a huge, rich world of, honestly, ecstasy, bliss, transcendent, transcendence, believe it or not, really. Not Sexuality really, I, is very, very spiritual and connects us with God. We're absolutely connected with the divine, with great, um, great connected sex. So it's almost like you see this in, in movies too. It's almost like people are separate. It's like the, 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 you got two people having sex, but they're not connected. They're, I mean, physically, yes, they're not a partnership. They're not working together. They're not talking. They're not interacting. There's there's nothing spiritual happening. They're just it's just it's, it's techniques. It's it's uh, it's motions. It's uh, autopilot. You know, and it, it seems to me that uh, and you know you listen to friends talk and, and you hear stuff and. It, it, People have really, uh, even, I'd like to say, I hate to talk about my own experiences here because it gets personal, but there's a disconnect with a lot of people. They're there, but they're not there. They're, 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 do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, and our culture is one that gives a thumbs up to casual sex. And, you know, I have friends personally that, kind of struggle with this they're still on the journey for realizing what actually brings them fulfillment and brings Mm. them happiness versus what they were raised to to believe about sex so um, men especially that that we can have casual sex and it is different for men and women it's mm-hmm. not the casual. It's because uh, I've I've talked to people, you know, like guys in long term marriages where it's just, you know, they they the sex is like, you know, it's like uh, like you know, Robotic. I don't know, it's it's like you know, building a, a a chair in your garage. You know, you know this, you follow the manual. <laughs> you know, and, it's and robotic, if you do it right, you know, it becomes robotic, yeah. routine, but there's a disconnect, an automatic. Not, yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard and I've heard uh, for a few women reasons. will say. Yeah, mm-hmm. let me. Uh, yeah. Here's an example that Go I think because I, I hear women talking and they'll tell me, you know, that their their husbands or boyfriends. It's like they'll tell them, "Don't talk during sex. We're having sex. You know, be quiet." What the hell is that all about? What kind of an idiot would say that? I'd be like, "Go ahead, tell me, tell me a joke. I don't care." You know, it's just that's what I mean by the disconnect. It's like they're there, the bodies are there, they're doing what they think they're supposed to, they're following the motions, but they're not together. They're not engaged in something that's wonderful and spiritual and magical and uh, and fun. It's like they're missing the whole point. Is that they do the motions? They think it's okay, but they're not. They're not there with each other, even though they're there with each other. Right, and and you know, if that can happen for so many reasons, and hmm. I, I have so many philosophies on that. I 
usually, well, if, if it was connected at one point, right, and then it became disconnected, okay. there's so many things in real life that contribute to that. Um, mm. we, women are walking through the world disconnected from their bodies, as we've discussed a lot, because yeah. it's my favorite yeah, no. topic. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's, it's a great topic. It's something and, I never would have thought of or considered. That's why you're here. I love, I love that you, you inspired <laughs> new ideas and thoughts, and uh, this, is, this, is the, this is the whole point of our show here. Uh, is to do that. I love a good challenge. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, just to just to yeah. test so, all what you thought yeah. you knew and then you realize, oh shit, Greg, I never had that thought in your brain. Okay, well that's, that's good. Well we, and we so 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 to work on ourselves and mm-hmm. to expect to have the best union ever with an intimate partner and to not mm-hmm. do the work on ourselves is just ignorant. It's ignorant, it's self centered and it's just like running like a hamster on a wheel in a cage. You're never going to get anywhere. So if, if the sex isn't what it ought to be, quote, look Mm -hmm. at yourself first, right? Look at yourself first. How am I control like any relationship issue? How how have I magnetized this experience? How am Mm -hmm. I creating it? Um, I have found that a woman who is present in her body knows how to feel pleasure no, like loves her body, turns herself on, <laughs> which is, which is so much fun. And I don't mean with manually or physically, oh. just literally, literally is turned explain. on in life and turns herself on, like is a turn on, like, like just does all these delicious, pleasurable things for herself, does self care, treats herself, honors herself, is supported mm-hmm. and turned her, turns herself on, enters the bedroom ready for a turn on looking for the way she can get turned on. And even if the man maybe lacks some physical skill, um, if he's connected and he's trying and there's a chemistry and there is an emotional attraction, she will have a good experience without necessarily taking over and leading everything. She will. And when no, she, but she does, can still can't show you can, you can do all kinds of things. Yes, like you show. But, but, yes, but, you but, and, when, and guys but do the same she, thing. But I what think, will uh, happen, what, what will happen is her turn on and her, if, if he is a healthy male, let's make that caveat. If he's healthy, <laughs> right. her turn on and her delight and her connection is going to be contagious. And it will wake up a part of him that is very spiritual and very um, masculine and he will begin to respond to that, and he will begin to give more, try harder, extend the things she shows pleasure for. It's going to just be a spiral upward, you well, know? This is, this is, and so for a guy, I will put I would responsibility think, uh, on women. I will put yeah. responsibility on women okay. that you don't get to just say, oh, oh, he didn't do this, and he's not good in bed, and he's just boring. You, you know, you take responsibility in a delightful rece- receiving way. And he will respond, and same for men, right? Hmm. When and I'm not, but when he takes responsibility, then it's going to get good, also. <laughs> well, but but isn't there what, what greater turn on could there be for a person than the other person is already turned on? I mean, it's just that's just they, they feed on each other. I mean, you know what? Mm. You know, part of the attraction for 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 guys with women, and I'll speak for guys here, is that the woman's attracted to them. There's nothing more attractive than a woman that's already attracted to you. It's just you're already well, ten points also, ahead. <laughs> agree, yeah. agree, uh-huh. and also in your feminine or masculine, I can't emphasize polarity enough. We've talked about it, but uh-huh. for the masculine energy to not only have a woman who's definitely attracted to you, but also able to receive, able uh-huh. to respond to your leadership, 
And that, that makes a lot of people cringe these days because it doesn't Why? sound like feminism, but it is feminism. It's the ultimate Ooh. feminism. Do um, feminists enjoy sex with men? Oh, gosh. <laughs> let's, 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 Here we go. Let's be, really, let's be blunt. Stop it, <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. What's that? Um, that is a good question, though. What level, what type of feminism allows you to also connect and receive and be in your feminine energy? And I, you know who I think is great about this topic is Naomi Wolf. To talk She's about on one show. of your recent. Yeah, yes. she was on uh, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Love Naomi Wolf. Every Wish I could get her back woman, on. I don't, I don't like to say the word should, but I'm going to. Every okay. man, every woman should read her book, Vagina. Well, it's most guys are going to go, oh, she used the, <laughs> she used the V word. So, so what's it about? Do tell. Oh. Maybe, maybe we get you both on the show together. I, That'd be even better. I won't, I won't do it service. <laughs> I'm only going to drop the title. And anybody oh. can go on Goodreads or Amazon and read the little, little synopsis. But she was a feminist and a huge, um, very progressive, liberal, considerate right. person until the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But let's not get into that. But she's still okay. who she always was. And she is a feminist, but she is a feminist that also supports um, the masculine. And um, I don't know. She, she just gets it. But so her book, her book, Vagina, is a great one just speaking to um, – now I just lost my train of thought because I was excited about it. She has another book called Beauty Myth, which I think everyone should read. <laughs> also, um, I gotta get you two together. Hey, look, I, I got Judy Mikovits and Naomi Wolf together, and they they both knew of each other, but they never talked. So we do amazing things here on the show. That would that was that was uh, huge. For anybody that hasn't heard yes. that, that show, yeah, yeah. I go back and listen. So impressed with that. I, you know what? I don't want to forget to do today. I don't want to mm-hmm. get so off topic. I don't. I want to go through the steps of the extended orgasm because I promised oh, yeah. it two weeks in let's, a row, and we didn't get to that. it. And yeah. it's there's, there's I'm curious. There's, and what I can, I have six steps. You can, anybody can look this up online and decide their own version of this because it's not, it's not one pathway to the result. There's a lot of room for play in this. Um, the idea of extended orgasm essentially is full bodied orgasm that lasts a lot longer than a one and done. And we know that women can have multiple orgasms and that comes easily for them for most when they um, have the other things in place, which is feeling safe, um, healing body shame and trauma and having a partner or being on their own or having a partner that is willing to take the time for their pleasure and play with her in that. So it's very possible for for anyone and men can have this too and that's more known as edging but more, i'm more talking about a woman's today if mm-hmm. that's okay no that's fine okay. yeah, we'll get to the guys next week this is no problem at all hey we got years we can do this so you know yeah <laughs> this be interesting so the first step is being present in your body and what that means you know i like to start with and this can happen anywhere you can lay down you can sit you can be walking um but just noticing your body and how it feels in this physical plane. How do the feet feel on the floor? How does the legs and the pelvis feel sitting or laying on the bed? What is the weight? What is the texture? What is the air around you? How does that feel? And then take a deep breath and settle. And just do a body scan head to toe. Just noticing how your body feels today. 
And then maybe taking your hand and beginning to do gentle strokes on your arm, down your abdomen, down your legs, and just noticing how your skin feels under your own touch. And does your skin like a harder massage? Does your skin like tickles? Does your skin like the nail sensation? What areas are ticklish? What areas are needing more attention? And, you know, I like to encourage women also to just have an attitude of love going from their fingertips to their body, to sending an energy of love and attention and appreciation. And this is helping you to be present in your body, noticing how your body feels. A lot of us are dissociated from our bodies, and we don't even know that until we start these practices of, of noticing and grounding. So a little bit of delight in your body. And the second step is focusing awareness now when you, you move it from all over your body, you've done your body scan, to the genital area or the breast area or both, and just focusing the awareness of your thoughts and your attention onto those areas. 8,000 nerves in the pelvic area for the female. So a lot to focus on there. And then you're going to start with breath. So this is an intentional breath. Deep into the belly. Equal inhales and exhales. So letting the belly, instead of the chest expanding, letting the belly expand and grow larger. And then relax. And practicing a couple of even breaths, a few even breaths. So even in and even out. And just getting really present with the breath. So now we've noticed the body. We're focusing a little more on the genital area now. And we're beginning to breathe. And then noticing when you're focusing on your genital area, when you're focusing on your vulva and your clitoris and the entire area, when do you hold or study your breath or do you? Are the, is there any natural inclination to hold the breath? And just kind of breathing through that and noticing it. Then we're going to visualize sending the breath, sending the breath to the genital area. I don't know if you want to practice that. It kind of sounds a little cuckoo. But you Not necessarily, because but yeah. what you're doing is making connections. And Alex, I'm trying not to interrupt because mm-hmm. this, is, this is fascinating. It's almost like you have this presentation. I think you, you've given this before. Uh, it's no, fascinating I haven't. To listen to. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Haven't. So breath, no, I mean, I've breath is spirit. Breath with... is... Mm-hmm. Really? Tell me. I just came up with my, my dis... I decided my process for leading to an extended orgasm based on what I know. Huh. And I wrote it out. And um, yeah, I haven't given this before, but it's, it's, I think it's pretty Ooh. spot on. Um, so visualizing sending the breath. So when you're stretching or exercising, you can visualize sending your breath certain places and you'll find an improvement in your performance. And this has been proven hmm. many, many times. So same with sex. You send your breath to your genitals. And I encourage women to actually envision their genitals engorging with blood and opening like a flower and just envision all, that, all those nerves and all those blood cells and everything just being really turned up in that area. Be amazed the impact this visualization has. And when you take a breath, you can inhale and send that breath to the genitals. It's really, okay. Mm -hmm. And now I would encourage women to practice this during masturbation, during self-pleasure. So Mm. it becomes natural. So it becomes, you begin to notice what feels good in your body 
and and different sensations go to different areas with your hands or your toys and just begin and take the time set aside time and practice what feels good in your body and the reason is because if you can't give yourself pleasure how do you expect anyone else to and when you get with a partner you'll really know and you'll be able to subtly like you said earlier kind of move things around kind of encourage kind of guide and, um, and then hopefully you have a good enough relationship with your sexual partner, which is why I never encourage casual sex, um, mm-hmm. to be able to have that conversation and, 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 and have a mutually respectful conversation about where, um, what feels good and where it feels good. And there's ways you can communicate this to the masculine that's received very well, and there's ways you can communicate it that aren't received very well, which we won't get into right now, but food for Yeah, thought. the ways you can communicate um. to the feminine, too, and uh, I won't go into that either, because yeah, anyway, but yeah. this, this this this, uh, this 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 strange word masturbation. Where, where did that come from? What does it mean? What's the what's the, the origins of this? It's a strange word. I don't like know. Most, I love most of the sex parts are. But I don't know. Okay, I'm just curious. I, I, I mean, love master the implies control, except they spell it a little bit differently. But it just it's uh it's one of those weird words. I mean, all the sex words are weird to me. <laughs> they all sound terrible. Uh, that's another one. Doesn't I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Where did it come I, from? I have to. I'm yeah. Well, what's the, 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 is it a Greek word? Deliberate. Is it a Latin word? Is it, go ahead. Well, it's French, derived from modern Latin. Deliberate erotic self-stimulation. Our Latin teachers actually... Deliberate? <laughs> so so what, is, what is unconscious or, or, or you know, mm. non-deliberate? <laughs> you know, is, that, is that another word? Non-deliberate self-stimulation. Well, I guess compulsivity, right? Okay. Mm, not necessarily. I was thinking, I'm thinking like uh, I'm thinking of someone. Uh, I was thinking spontaneous. What 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 is your spontaneously? You know, you weren't thinking of, but you just I don't know. Some turns you on. The long-standing speculation is this word is altered from the influence of turbar to disturb, confuse, and manus hand. Stupor okay, I remember that from from ancient from school way back when. Yeah, that's Latin. Manus, you know, manufacture. Yep. We used to do root words way back when. So, okay. But listen to this. Yeah. Related to pair, to be stunned, stupefied, and stupor, defilement or dishonor. Well, I certainly hope not. Well, that's wait a minute. Remember the old thing? saying, you know, you better stop it before you go blind. And of course, the, the answer is, well, how about if I just wear glasses? <laughs> you know, I mean, this, yeah, they used to think this would drive people crazy, didn't they? I mean, isn't that the, this is a whole show right here. Just, I mean, the, the mm. traditions, you know, the, the, the taboos for and against and uh, yeah. Listen to these. I'm sorry. Now I'm no, off no, on a tangent. Listen we'll to back. these uh, slang, slang terms. <laughs> slang terms for masturbate. Oh, here we go. To Bob. To Bob. To box the Jesuit, I have never heard that. To chuff, to claw, to fight one's turkey. That's apparently from Texas. Okay. These are all new to me. These are new to me. I, I'm used to the usual ones, you know, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Hold on. Have you heard to mount a corporal and four? No. What, what is your source on this? Have you got some, have you got like the urban obscure dictionary or something? I mean, this is weird. This is strange. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's a website called Etym Online, an etymology okay. website, which actually, for nerds like us, is probably going to get flagged <laughs> as nerds. a favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the sexual nerd um, report. We should, we should talk about nerds having sex, too. That's another whole topic. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, I love nerds. Okay. <laughs> Write that down. Um, Later. To mount a corporal in four, to dash one's doodle. 
and then also keeping down the senses. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand Box the Jesuit at all. I think I heard shake hands hands with the governor. There was another. I mean, these are all these are expressions as opposed to the usual. Why did that not make it in there? That's a good one. I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know if someone told me that years ago. Popped into my head from I'm going to write it in as a suggestion. You can write it in and I'll put your name on it. No, my name. Great. Okay. Yeah, fine. Okay. Go ahead. Sure. Fine. Yes. Greg Penglis. Sex definer. I will type up those and I can share them. But um, so, so being present in the body, focusing, then moving the awareness to the genitals and erogenous zones, and then getting into your breath, a very deep, intentional belly breath. Now the key on the belly breath, go back to noticing during the masturbation. I, I feel like I talk quietly. My kids are having class. Um, Oh yeah, Although don't let them. This is, this, this is the adult conversation, so uh, so so parents, we should have said this earlier. Well, I say at the beginning of the report anyway. You know, this is a very frank discussion. So if you don't get it from that, then just you know, I, there's no hope. Just go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. So when masturbating, I feel it's very important to come back to noticing the breath. So what women will notice is men too, was that the breath will begin to get jagged. You'll begin to hold the breath, especially as you get closer to climax. That. Let's let's go ahead and um, work on that. You're going to find okay. that when you begin to hold the breath or stutter the breath or do funky things with the breath that is not a deep inhale and exhale, you'll notice a change in your pleasure. You'll notice a change in your approaching to orgasm. And mm-hmm. so just notice that, and you might go back to an intentional, practicing intentional breathing up until and through and past whatever you're considering your orgasm, because that's different for different people. And Hmm. when you start to play with changing it with breath and intention, it's going to change also. And that'll be interesting to see how that changes. And for a lot of people, when they practice this regularly or make it a interesting, playful practice, they'll start to see longer and longer orgasms and orgasms, orgasms that change in length and quality and sensation and that will change with that whether you have a partner or whether you're solo and it will change with the different ways you stimulate yourself so it's just a really cool interesting thing to practice um there are really no bounds to pleasure in intimacy and sex and, and well except what you limit yourself because people like i say mm-hmm. they, they uh they, i think people it, it, there's a denial but there's also like you said which is the key to this there's, there's, a, there's an undeserving. I, I don't deserve to be this happy. I don't deserve whatever it is. So therefore, I have to sabotage it. So it's almost like a, a psychological thing. Um, speaking of breathing, and I want to make sure, because when the phones aren't as clear, if people aren't listening, I'm really good speakers. We're saying breath, B-R-E-H-T-H, not breast, B-R-E-S-T. Or the oh, I don't am I not well. clear? Is it not no, clear no, you're clear, talking? but I, I, I'm just, oh, you know okay. me, I, I think of everything, right? So uh, That's true. But, Focus on the breath. <laughs> Breath. Breathing. Yeah. So, so here's a question. So how much? How much is the, the sound of your of breathing wait, wait, wait. into the belly is new for a lot of people. Even that concept of taking a breath and letting the uh-huh. belly come out mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. well, a different sensation for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. No, but if you're a singer or if you're a theater person or an actor, anybody that has to project your voice, you're always taught to breathe in by diaphragm. I breathe in the belly normally anyway. I just I've always because I've, I've had so much. Uh, uh, practice as a music. I was a tuba player. Trust me, you, you need your whole breath. <laughs> you just have to. Um, so that's that's a different thing. I got a question though. Is, I'm thinking, you know how me, my mind always you know goes crazy during these chats. Uh, the sound of your partner's breath has got to be an incredible turn on. 
Mm, isn't that mm. lovely? Yeah. I love that. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know they're happy. And that makes you happy. And that makes them happy. And it's like, it's like multiple building of layers of happiness. Well, yeah. I mean, men want women to be happy. That's basically mm-hmm. it. And they find ways to, to, to bring them. It, a healthy man. I always want to say that. A healthy man. Mm-hmm. A healthy man is, is encourages his woman's happiness and doesn't try to destroy it, take it away, sabotage it, criticize it, mm-hmm. shame it. So um, that goes for all areas of her life. Unless, and I guess I don't want to go on tangent, but there is an unless. Unless um, he feels her happiness is coming from someone else in an area that he wasn't able to give her happiness, so that's Ooh, a little caveat that, that's there. That's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's that's a yeah, yeah the, 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 uh, the 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 conflicts, the doubts, the guilt, the you know, not only am I not good enough, but the probably with somebody else. Oh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, let's go back to our our, our six points here because I, I know, like I say, we you know you and me we can talk about one thing and fifteen topics later. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? Oh, I don't know. Okay, fine. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. I think we're on um, four or three still. And so we, t- well, we, we covered all six. Um, oh, we did. But I'm happy to go into any of them more. I just wanted to make sure we covered them. So I, and I wanted to also remind that, that when, when you're um, actually giving yourself physical pleasure or with a partner, just, just noticing your breath. And there's never judgment. So obviously in meditation, and in any self-improvement practice, it's never a judgment. It's a noticing. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Okay, I do that. Do I want to change that? Or is that working for me? Maybe I'll play with changing that, right? No matter what we're interested in, right? I just, I just think of somebody having sex and, and they say to their partner, oh, that's interesting. I haven't had that thought before. You're just, well, that's, that's, you know, that's interesting. I, just, I don't know. I, just, yeah. you know I, admit, I, I live for scenarios. I mean, I always think of things in my head. Yeah. So what is that four, five, and six? I love idea of isn't that uh-huh. interesting and being curious. In all areas of life, Ooh. like not judgmental, well, I am. curious. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an adult yeah. five year old. I mean, I, I think I, I'm curious about everything, you know. So, mm-hmm. and uh, but that, I think that makes you playful. So, if you again, um, it's playful, you know, like ah, if, if, you, if you can bring a five year old's, yeah, if you can bring a five year old's curiosity to adult wisdom, life gets a whole lot easier. Don't live playful like Playful is but, huge, and I have a whole yeah. other topic about playful versus perfection. But when you mention playful, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is what we're looking for. This is where we're trying to go to make Sex to make fun, folks. to make actually all of life playful, all of life playful. And <laughs> that, in order to be playful, world. you have to let go of perfection. You have to let go yep. of performance, and you have yeah. to embrace curiosity, imperfection in yourself and others. And again, always this extends to the bedroom. These concepts always extend to the bedroom, mm. right? So we have a huge. And I I want to say no, it wasn't Miami Wolf. It was well, she does touch on this. It was um, Chris. Was it Christian Northrup? <gasps> the book on girls and she's, sex. Huh. Mm-hmm. She's been on the show too. Let me look that's it up. A, I don't want to misquote, but that's an that's excellent okay. book, and I used to rec- I recommend it yeah. for anybody who has teen daughters or um, wants to understand the pathology of women and their bodies, the pathology of women and sexuality, and how it kind of got worse. I think it's on the on the upswing, though. I think we're we're literally starting to edge the needle in the other direction, but, um, well, good. Cause the, the more women that, love their bodies, the more women will, women will love our bodies. That's how I see it. And so, yeah. And so a lot of people grumble that target has the larger mannequins and that we're glorifying obesity. 
Okay. Huh. The needle always what? has the pendulum always needs to swing in the other direction first. So hmm. have patience with, with oh the government and the media wants to make everyone fat and wants to think wants to make everyone unhealthy and think that normalizing fat. Okay. But guess what? Good always wins. And it's always alchemized. Evil's always alchemized to good. And when you have faith and you see it that way, so mm-hmm. so what what happens? Once women accept that all the bodies are okay, now they have permission to actually be healthy because there's nothing to push against. There's nothing to protect themselves against. If, if obese and thick become sexy, it's no longer a protective garment for sex, someone who is sexually abused. I mean, it's hard I don't oh, I to get against too far off topic, but does it make sense? It no longer is a skillful way to avoid, to keep myself safe from predatory people. And so, therefore, I have or to... Or safe from having skill. sex and, and with, enjoying yourself, or safe from a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, with... Yes. Huh. And so, with okay. all the... With all the... And all the help on the internet now, and all the support for women coming out, and all the information on how to heal trauma, mm-hmm. now you have a double bonus. You no longer have your protective shield of obesity, and you have tons of support for healing. So, I always have to see things like in this, huh, you know... Yes, the government and corporations are trying to do this unhealthy thing to us, but guess what? We humans are going to alchemize and it's going to be yeah, better than to. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got like three notes here, and you had like six things you wanted to talk about, and I, I missed like four, five, and six. <laughs> My little note-taking here, so I want to make sure we uh, got this completely covered. Or did you, did you incorporate your, your other steps? Well, um, so... We're extending orgasms here. Book, this is critical. Everybody needs to know this. I think it's just fascinating. Well, one of one of the one of the topics was, you know, why women resist pleasure and do women resist pleasure and why they do. And so right. I'm happy to expand on, on that. Um, we okay. touched on it a little bit, but essentially the feeling that that do you deserve pleasure and where did you mm-hmm. learn that that you you don't and, and having pleasure should be suppressed, it should be put aside. Feeling amazing and being happy and supported is not your birthright. It is um, your birthright is to work and um, not ask for anything and put everyone before you and look perfect. And so that comes to the bedroom and that book, Girls and Sex, touches on this. Hmm. The, the insane level of performance and desire to be perfect that women have in the bedroom. Yeah, what's the younger, our younger women? generation? We know mm-hmm. performance is for guys, and I despise that word because it totally ruins, I okay. think, sex for, for guys. Because the minute you think you have to perform, I mean, trained seals perform. You know, give them a mackerel and they're mm-hmm. happy. That's not what men mm-hmm. are, are about. So, so I, I never want to think of myself or, you know, those poor other guys out there that just that, that they, they have this burden of, oh, I have to perform. Well, you've just killed everything. You, you've killed the spontaneity. You, you've killed the playfulness. You've killed the, you know, the, the, the spirit. You've killed the cooperation because now there's like if someone's performing, then someone's judging. You know, there's an audience, <laughs> you know, and that's not there's no way for, for a relationship or, or a, a sexual experience to be in terms of performance. But what is performance for women? Because this is this is I haven't really thought about this. And um, of course, I have mm-hmm. so I'm curious. What is performance for women? How do women perform either sexually or otherwise? So one of one of the shadow behaviors for women, and I hate I don't know if I even want to use that term. Because it's so organic and natural for women. Uh, that I think there's probably an evolutionary psychological reason for this, but mm-hmm. it is the incessant need to appear perfect to others. And hmm. when we have that need on ourselves, guess what we expect from our relationships and our men? 
Oh, they have to learn perfect too. Yeah, they and have it, well, to be now perfect. is changing. They have to say the so, perfect thing, and oh. it has to be again not just say the perfect thing, but be perfect and say perfect in a way that we interpret as women as having uh-huh. a quality. So what women think is high quality behavior tends to be how women behave. And again, this is a whole other topic, but it doesn't tend to be. So the masculine has a different reason why it does things and why they do things and why they, what their motivations are. And they're super protective for super awesome reasons. We don't, (laughs) we don't understand those. We don't understand the motivations a lot. So, so Mm -hmm. even if they were perfect men, we still would interpret that if we haven't educated ourselves and haven't um, let go of our own stuff, we would still interpret their perfect behavior as being hurtful and imperfect because it's not how women would do things. That being said, Women have this need to like, and, 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 and you know, we've, this has been reinforced by, by obviously by culture and um, magazines and, um, I mean, Architectural Digest. Just look through that. Look at, look at, look at, Matt, look at um, any um, commercials or presentations. Gosh, we were watching a show last night, um, a beautiful movie called uh, The War Room, and, um, and it was actually a very spiritual movie about the power of prayer. And this woman that has a full-time job and a child and her husband works, yet her house always looks perfect. And these messages <laughs> are such lies. But women put this on themselves, and then they huh. judge themselves all the time going out in the world how perfect they are. Did they say the perfect thing? Is, is the outfit perfectly casual and perfectly stylish at the same time? But it's not time? real. Because, um, I mean, you so can never get there because you're bedroom. not perfect. So, so how does this, why, why would women burden themselves with something that's impossible? Because you're not going to be perfect. It's a great question, but it's definitely encouraged by our culture. But I huh. think it might go back to some sort of like, like I said, I think it might go back, and I'd like to pick that apart. Um, always looking for the fault, always looking for the problem. And we know the amygdala is bigger in women, so they're kind of geared to look for danger and look for. Um, Ways well, I look for danger too, but only because I want to try it. <laughs> but so that's completely that women look for women want to be safe, so they women want to, look so they for want to avoid survival risk. threats, survival right. threats, and and social threats. So for us, social is survival. So it probably has something to do with that. Like, well, am I good enough to be embrace to be um, taken care of by a quality man? but not mm-hmm. so good that I incur jealousy from other women because then I'm socially isolated. So this instinctive oh, desire for that balance, yeah. there is an instinctive desire to have that balance that, that goes very primitive. And, and then that gets huh. turned up by our cultural messages and corporate media and commercials and all this. So that gets really played upon. Um, oh. but then coming into the bedroom, it looks like performance and total disconnect from the body. So think, I, can, am I allowed to say a celebrity name in a not flattering way? I'm not trying to be insulting. Well, as long as libeling or slandering, sure. I mean, public figures have a, have a, different, uh, a different standard. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I say, as long as you're not libeling or slandering or saying stuff like that, I don't care. Go for it. So think about, I don't know if you remember Paris Hilton in that sex video. Um, I don't keep up with celebrities much. I didn't much, know but she did a sex video. That's how, that's how I'm talking about Quite a long time ago. Okay. But she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Um, so what it looks like in the bedroom for women, for younger women in the social media generation that are bought and sold into this idea of how something looks more than how it really feels, Mm -hmm. 
um, bedroom behavior looks like? Does this position look sexy? Is my vulva completely hair free? Because that's the trend. Is is everything perfect? Smelling good? I mean, the the industry for plastic surgery. Brazilians. Well, I mean, the trend was, you know, years ago, I guess it was 10 plus years ago to have Mm -hmm. not one hair, um, just very childlike. And I heard stories of, you know, that's kind of sick in a way, isn't it? I mean, why would you want women to look like girls? She better not have any hair down there or I'm out. Like, like that was a not uncommon thing for young men to say. Not my favorite kind of young man, but now that my son is in private wealthy school, I can see how that's highly possible. That sort of attitude. What a control thing. mm -hmm. That's weird. No about boundaries? Right, but that's real. So you have that mixed with the social media pressures of perfection, and you have a girl literally only having sex based on what her partner thinks of her and if she's perfect enough and she's not even present with him. I mean, she'll look at his facial expressions and his pleasure as a validation, but there's nothing in it for her besides how good did I look? How good was I at it? While having sex? Was I good enough? Was I good enough? Was I good enough? Oh, you know? oh I hate mm-hmm. that. That's, that's bad for guys too. You know, what, you know, was that, was that good? You know, any, anybody, man or woman that asks that question, you've got a bunch of other issues you need to deal with first. Stop having sex. Go deal with that issue. And you know, this is, this is amazing. All right. So here's a question. Um, getting mm-hmm. back to, to perfection performance, things like that. So the, the stereotype is that, that if, if women, want everything perfect and they want to look right they want to sound right they want to you know they want to be right do they want guys and you said that they want guys to fit that thing too uh the, the stereotype in san francisco we used to joke about it, us us you know homely tour guides you know we joke about the, the 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 rich bald short guy you know with the porsche and the blonde trophy wife <laughs> you know that was the stereotype so she looked right and he was rich and, and mm-hmm. it, it's I hate to break it down that simply, but, you know, in terms of perfection, do women, not only do they want themselves to be perfect, but they want their guy to have a certain status level, a certain, you know, corporate level, a certain car, a certain house, a certain things like that. Uh, they can be the most attractive, nicest person. I mean, you, you know, saint whatever could be on their doorstep. And if you didn't, if you didn't drive the right level of car, he'd be rejected out of hand because he, he wouldn't make them look good enough for their image, the women's image of themselves. Mm. What do you think? Well, it's interesting how uh, there was a saying somebody told me, a wise woman I was friends with in grad school, and I never forget it. And she said, Dorothy, the brighter the picture, the darker the negative. And she said it in reference to a man I was dating who was mm-hmm. pretty perfect. Now that we don't want names. How, we don't want names on this one. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Celebrities, okay, but yeah, personal stuff now. Anyway, yeah, ahead, especially so. since he has an arrest record now. So Ooh. she was spot on. She was spot on mm. on that one. So, so explain was, that. I actually have always attracted. Yeah. I've always attracted uh-huh. very high quality men that not only have financial success but are very kind and connected. Um, uh-huh. I've, I've just been such a blessing in my life. This was a bit of an anomaly. I was in a difficult time in life, some transition from grad school to my career. All my uh-huh. all my friends had left to go back to their places and work after school and. I just kind of was in a big breath of loneliness and transition, so I was a little vulnerable, and that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met a perfect, a perfect person who um, at the actually, time <laughs> or a situation. Well, I'm going to say or, perfect or... quotes. I'm going to say quotes. Perfect. Right. A quote. Perfect person. All the check boxes. And um, 
And my friend met him out, out one evening, and that's what she said to me, because she felt very strongly that this was not what we, he appeared to be. And mm. um, so I learned a long time ago, sometimes the most juicy, rich, fun, exciting people, mm-hmm. really, they're so confident, they don't show it all. They don't show it. They'll have a basic car. And they got money for whatever car they want, but they'll mm-hmm. drive a basic, a basic, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, but just maybe nice, but not flashy because there's not, you know, we know what the flashy cars are, right? My friend used to mm-hmm. work in marketing for BMW and she gave us some really great insight on the clients they advertise to and what the oh, personalities are like. Get her, uh-huh. Can we get her on the show? That would be a fascinating topic because uh, cars are sex she, too, just as much as politics <laughs> is. What's that? She's interesting. Yeah, she worked in marketing for BMW, and that was an interesting uh, conversation. Well, who the kind of person uh, they market to? But yeah. So, so what I'm this yeah, is interesting. What I'm saying is there's yeah there are cars, you know there are cars that are, are great cars, and we know that they're more costly. We know they're costly, but they're not flashy, right? They're just sturdy. Mm-hmm. And then there's the cars that are intentionally flashy, and mm-hmm. uh, and then the house is perfect looking. You know, my Dutch friends always talk about, oh, gosh, Americans have these big houses, perfect lawns. And then they don't go anywhere to do anything, you know, and, 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 and no one sits in the living like room. <laughs> and we, no we just like have yeah. smaller things, less things, and then have amazing, exciting lives. So um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting, too. But, huh. yeah, so the draw towards the perfect person, oh, my gosh, there's so much frosting there and lack of, lack of depth and lack of true happiness. I don't know where to start. What are your well, thoughts? Could you, could you date a poor guy? Um, so for me, I don't feel safe in my feminine energy with a man that cannot provide financial security. That's me. I have three children. I, I'm a creative helper healer type. I spend all my energy making things beautiful and helping others with Mm -hmm. my own abundance that works just fine for me. However, I will not tether to a man that doesn't have the self-esteem, solidity, and, um, and, and, and he has limiting beliefs of abundance. Um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons that goes, that goes into why a man isn't financially stable. Um, so poor for me is a strong word. So the answer is no, I absolutely would not tether myself okay. to right. that. Because I have high self-esteem. <laughs> see, okay, so now this, this, is, this explains a lot because I have had mm. multiple times. Now, take me, for example, okay, pretty bright guy. You know, I'm pretty resourceful, pretty daring, pretty risk-taking, pretty knowledgeable. I've got a lot of experience, a lot of areas, a lot of stuff I'm doing. I'm creating something here that no one's ever even tried before. Uh, so I am not what I would call rich. You know, I would not what I'd call be attractive mm-hmm. to dates. But I'll tell you what's going to happen, and I know this is going to happen. This show is going to break out in ways that, that, that we can't even imagine. Uh, I'm going to have a whole lot of money one day, and it's going to be fascinating mm-hmm. to me when I have my jet. Okay, uh, my, my, my dating opportunities are going to multiply a million fold compared to what they are now. And I've been told this, too. I mean, yeah. I've actually been told by, by several. Mm-hmm. I told you the unstable story. I said, well, we, you know, I like you, but you're mm-hmm. unstable. In other words, you don't have enough money. You don't mm-hmm. fit my image. And this is what I was kind of leading to when we started this, this, this down this, this particular Now, that's not hole. an insult, though. We've got to put that in a different perspective. But go ahead. Okay. All right. But the point mm-hmm. is that I'll be the same person, at least I hope so. You know, when I have a gazillion dollars in my own jet that I can do loops and rolls and all kinds of crazy stuff with, as I am now, because I've had money and I've not had money. Right now, I don't. Uh, people mm-hmm. like uh, Hershey that went broke four times. Was he somehow less attractive when he was bankrupt and more attractive when he finally got it right? 
Uh, Thomas Edison. I mean, was, there he, are plenty of women, you know, and and I think especially <laughs> when when they're younger. And I what I love Alison Armstrong's stages on this one. She talks about the, the page and the knight and the prince and the king. Hmm. There are um, yeah, so there are definitely stages to a man's development, a healthy man's development. And mm-hmm. I can absolutely fall in love with somebody who has a dream, is working hard. So, so there has to be a plan. And when you talk about poor, um, especially, especially past the age of 30s, the yeah. feminine energy wants a solid plan. She wants a man who's leading somewhere, knows mm-hmm. how to get there, has a plan for getting there, is making solid steps towards that that are very visible and clear. And he has a plan if they're in relationships, how she's coming along with that as a partner or to support him or whatever. So, so that's what the feminine is looking for. So just saying, you know, would you be with a poor person? My initial thing is no, but there's a reason he's poor. I feel like, and it's and he's, his value system right now, if he's poor, isn't in building a legacy for himself, his family Mm -hmm. and his community. It's on mm. something else, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but can he, you know, my instinct tells me, can he protect, provide, um, and, you know. But why? Let's ask I, the big I mean, question. I, I still let's, do let's, have let's... viable eggs. Could he provide for a child? So, <laughs> oh, okay. So, so women, and, and the way mm. women value that changes as they get older also. So there's a lot to that, but, you know, right? It's not just yeah. being but it, rich it, or it, poor. But this In is, fact, this is the yeah. this is part of the performance. Is like the guy has to, you know. And I, I find this so common because I've never heard a guy say, you know, that uh, that he, he looks to a woman's income <laughs> unless he's unless he's just a, well, a total deadbeat. Right. But I mean, yes, it doesn't happen. He okay. Is what they call so in in guy world or or yeah. or, a, or a man that is looking for the woman to share the physical burden on this, on this earth. So a man that's looking for the woman, the feminine energy to carry the physical burden on this earth is an interesting kind of man that I would never be with, but, mm-hmm. but they, they, they're common and usually it's, it's fatherless homes. And this is a very interesting body of work also to explore. Yeah. Um, but what happens, this is like throwing feminism out the window. Where's the independent woman that wants to be with an independent guy that may or may not be able to provide for her. Isn't that a contradiction? Um, so it depends what kind of feminism you're talking about. Ooh, I mean, that can encompass a lot of different philosophies. The, the latest, greatest uh-huh. feminism, in my opinion, honors polarity and knows that the feminine brings as much, if not more energy mm-hmm. expenditure to the relationship, but it's fully different. And, and a divine masculine energy understands that. He doesn't question it. And he's looking for a feminine to protect and provide mm-hmm. and to support him and feed him and nourish him in the parts of himself that get neglected out in the world. So he has energy, love, a nest, a home, and all the, the myriad ways the feminine energy supports and provides in her, in her way. Mm-hmm. And when you have a healthy feminine and a healthy masculine, this is a beautiful, perfect balance. And therein you have the sexual polarity also. So any, you know, and I always say people can choose whatever energy they want to embody. They can embody feminine, masculine, a blend of both, and just know you'll magnetize that which fits what you're putting out there. Just be willing to, if if you want to be the, if you want to be balanced, you be the then man. you'll have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you the, want to be the masculine energy, that comes with, and the universe dictates this. This is not me. You can see it everywhere in nature. And you can see it in successful, happy, long-term relationships. 
and old people can tell you this, you know, that have been together for many years. But hey, the, the, the natural order works. It, it, actually, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. The natural order works. You know, guys do what guys do and women do what women do, and it works out great as long as we recognize that. And it's like the uh, uh, feminism almost tried to, to uh, you know, assume the masculine, either either the feminine would become the masculine or the feminine can add the masculine and it's okay. You know, and it's not, it mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. We just, as people, we just don't work that way. The masculine I, I energy likes to build, you know. uh-huh. yeah, build, protect, provide, um, building is, is the masculine mm-hmm. energy getting from mm-hmm. point A to point B. And so when you talk about money and mm-hmm. income, that is building in the 3d. So, a woman can have all the abundance she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that a feminine energy can't have an income. Of course, there's so many. In fact, this morning when I posted, I thought of like five women right off that had a career in mm-hmm. healing and serving and being connected with others in mm-hmm. a super feminine way. And then also they added their integrated masculine, turned it into a business. They will all say across the board they hate that part, and they wish they had a masculine energy partner that took over that side of it, but they don't right now. And so they're doing that part themselves. But what they're providing is so enriching to so many people's lives, so healing. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to make it abundant. So they found a way to make an income also. However, the income part and the strategy part and the advertising part is all their masculine energy. And when a woman mm-hmm. has to be in her masculine a lot of the time, you know what? The people she serves actually don't get as much as they could. So the best is a partnership where mm-hmm. a, the feminine energy is supported by a strong masculine, whether in marriage or in business. And, um, and that's just a beautiful balance that works great. Mm. No, I believe you. I, just, I haven't seen it in my own life yet, but uh, I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's like the, the more you try and go against, you know, who we are uh, in terms of evolution as people, as how we're wired, you know, physical differences, all these different things. So the more things get screwed up. So feminism seems to me uh, that the, the idea of equality makes perfect sense, you know, in terms of uh, financial and, and, you know, access to jobs and what it would, you know, whatever else uh, was included. But the problem is that it's now changing people. So as long as you're changing circumstances, yeah, you're right. You know, changing laws, absolutely, not a problem. But when you try and change people from who we are, that's where I think uh, things get kind of crazy, is what it sounds like. Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, but there's a lot of confusing messages out there, and um, which is why you and I are out here talking, 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 and our mouth is so dry, and, you know, we're just... Don't you have water? We've learned. You oh, no, I'm just giving an analogy. I do, I do, <laughs> okay. but like... You talk all day, and and the whole goal is to share and give others permission to have these weird points of view and these out-of-the-box ways of thinking that improve all of our lives. The goal is to improve everyone's life and to make everyone happy and or help everyone find their happiness, whatever it is for them. But just to turn away from the lies. Are you talking about about my goals with that radio, or are you talking about life in general? I feel like that's what you're doing. Oh, no. I can't speak this, to your goals. Oh, no, this show's about freedom. I mean, we don't really talk about legislation <gasps> a lot during your hour. 
Well, it is. It is free. In fact, you can't have. Well, that'd be a great discussion. You can't have happiness without mm-hmm. freedom. Uh, you cannot do anything without freedom, really, because if you're if you're restrained politically, if you're restrained economically, if you're restrained uh, spiritually, you know, in all the ways that the government wants to restrain people. Oh, Mark, put that here. Hey, Marco, we'll talk to you tomorrow, <laughs> or at least I'll, we'll type to you tomorrow. <laughs> He's kind of funny. But mm. uh, the, I'm curious what, what Mark, Marco's thinking today. Well, he's, mm. you know, we'll have to ask him earlier next time. But it'd be, well, the, the, you know what we should do, too? We should also talk about European attitudes uh, towards sex and relationship compared to American because they are very, very different. And so when I was certified to teach sex ed, this came up quite a bit because we see examples from around the world of countries uh-huh. that have very low, low teen pregnancy rates. And yeah. um really healthy attitudes of sex and they start young and they start and they're pretty open and it's shocking to a lot of people until you dive into why and how, how Mm -hmm. is it actually age appropriate and what are we teaching and not teaching and, 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 and why is it so empowering? And so I would love, it's not my specialty, um, Mm -hmm. the European views, but I think to have a guest on or have a commenters would be great. Um, Well, here's what I noticed. Here's when I was traveling through Europe, Europe and traveling around the United States and, and all the places I've been and uh, the women I've met, uh, European women, uh, much, um, well, let's start with Amer- American women believe like relationships and, and sex, it's, it's almost like a business deal. It, uh, it, it's contract. Uh, European women are much more like Europeans in general. It's the art. It's the experience. It's the memories. They don't need the stuff. You don't see Europeans own, owning as big a house or as big a car, uh, especially the women don't judge men that way. Uh, but in this country, they do. And this is why I said it, it was a very American thing for, for, as you're saying, you know, well, you don't have the right car. You're not economically stable. You're not, you know, you haven't provided for yourself. You know, you've got a problem. Um, like I said, I'm going to be the same person, um, you know, starting this business as I am, you know, ridiculously successful once we get that big break. I'm still going to be the same person. Um, but uh, so it's not me that's changing. It's my circumstance. And that circumstance is what changes women, you know, but well, I I that's, like that's what I'm – go ahead. I, I feel like if you are a man who is careful with your money and is solid and grounded, whether you make a lot or little, that energy is palpable to the feminine. We are extremely hmm. accepting and forgiving when mm-hmm. we are healthy. I just want to make that caveat. Mm-hmm. Extremely encouraging. In fact, one of, the, one of the, quote, problems a lot of women have is projecting and thinking more highly and projecting more benefit onto the man they're with, you know, like, like, you know, not seeing the red flags, right. Not seeing kind of just seeing potential dating, potential dating, right. Versus solid mm-hmm. evidence that this person is this person. So, um, but a woman who is wise and healthy will see that there's building blocks in place and there's progress towards that. And that there's a general, um, behavior in life of not overspending, of, of, of knowing where the money is, of mm-hmm. having a solid foundation. So it's not really about, it's, for a healthy woman, um, you know, again, like attracts likes. So somebody who's even, sort of an even energy with money, a matching energy, and then also mm-hmm. um, don't have to be rich. For a healthy woman, you, you just have to see that here's where we're going. Here's where I am. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm getting there. Let's go. That feels mm-hmm. really safe to a feminine energy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got one more question okay. for you, uh, sort of along mm-hmm. these lines, and then we should probably uh, go for it. And my handyman's but, coming. I'm hanging my art today. I'm so excited. <laughs> your handyman. You know, it's not I'm a handy woman. I'm hanging my art. Just, my I house just, is coming together. 
Yeah, guys um, fix things. It's, it's I, a handyman. I handy women, but they live in Florida. My 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 guy lives right here. <laughs> okay. Well, here's so my question. I, I do have uh, to go, but I can do one more question. Okay, a wealthy, successful woman could she be happy with a guy that teaches third grade? Absolutely, a wealthy. No, okay. Oh, this is this, mm-hmm. this has a lot of entanglement. This question. It, save, save for next week. Yes. <laughs> yes, as long as both are. I mean. I, I have an example in my head right now of a successful couple no. where she makes a lot more than he does. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know that that's mm-hmm. true. It okay. depends on her life experience and her values. Mm-hmm. You can have someone who has abundance that, that lives outside the box like you and I do and thinks outside the box, and then there's a lot of room for um, honoring the other person's energy, masculine or feminine energy. And, you know, but, again, that is, I think that's a bigger question. Yeah, I'll tell you what the show is all about sometime because it, it deserves more than we have time for right, right now. But it's really about the ultimate freedom for the greatest number, and about uh, reversing the the uh, the direction, the, the relationship of the citizen to the government. Um, but I'll tell you about more of that some other time. Thank you, Dorothy. This has been fun. Oh, it was great. So great, and we yeah. actually gave tangible steps to get to extended orgasm this week. So we now that we, we now that I know about extended orgasm, a goal that I have. I, I want one for 24 hours. <laughs> I mean, I want to go for, I want, I, you have to tell us how to do the, 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 the multi-hour guy, you know, extended orgasm. I mean, this is gonna be fascinating. <laughs> we can talk about edging next week. Um, okay. and a man, Contact? A man uh, yep. it's going to be a little different for men than women, but very similar. So, okay. um, I'm Dorothy <laughs> Diana and my Facebook is Dorothy Diana. And, um, you'll know it's me cause I'm, holding my arms out amazed uh, in the ocean and um, it's all about By the sexual, way, sexuality. Just for those who don't know, Dorothy's a knockout. She's absolutely gorgeous. So you, you won't be able to miss this. Oh, you Verbal affirmation is my love language. Thank you. And then also, I I have a new Facebook page. I'm trying to direct more of this content to because it's getting too mixed up with my family stuff. So Yoni, my business, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N. And I'm on Instagram. And I have a website, yoniyoon.com. I teach women how to find pleasure in their bodies and break down old beliefs that are limiting them about sexuality. And we have so much fun doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So get a hold of me. I can do privates. I can do Zooms. We do in-person classes in North Carolina, Charlotte area. And that's my delight and pleasure. <laughs> yep. And the more women you can make happy, the more guys are going to be happy. I'll tell you right now. You're doing great work. Yes. We appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Sending you hugs. Thanks for a great talk and talk to you next week. Hugs to you too. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye now. Wow. What a great show today. <laughs> this has been fabulous. This, uh, it's, just, it's, it's amazing the things that we covered, the amount of depth we have. You know, like I say, we, we money packed. Uh, with, we've got Jessica Rivera starting us off, Jonathan Mosley uh, with the legal report, and Dorothy Diana with the sex and sensuality report. Very, very different. The first hour is investigative, the second hour is legal and political, and the third hour is sex <laughs> and relationships and everything else we get to. Uh, it really makes for, for I think, a, a huge variety. Anyway, uh, it's now 10.08. 10.05, sorry. I'm going to read my computer. Trifocals, I've got to angle my head properly. Um, so yeah, hey, listen, I'm older now. <laughs> I just turned 64. This is great. I love it. I'm having a great time. All right, so we're back tomorrow. We've got, uh, we've got to Brianna Cannon with the Government Inquiry Report, Jesse Cossey with the uh, uh, Latina Report, which ends up being a lot of other things, actually. And then Robin Tout's back. Robin Tout uh, is a, a specialist in helping women with uh, recovering from uh, breast implants and the dangers, the cancers, the diseases, the death that those things cost. And we're going to talk about all that tomorrow. So uh, have a wonderful day. And uh, 7 a.m. Central Time tomorrow, we will do it all again. 
Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too.
Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.